Uh, it seems mushrooms for the masses is not really what you advocate. <laughs> mushrooms for the masses doesn't sound like such a terrible idea. So I eventually come to the end of this trail after walking it for, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes. And it's just a circle where there are no trees and nothing but brown pine needles. And everywhere I look are Amanita muscaria mushrooms. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Uh, we're going to be chatting with James W. Jesso a little bit later about uh, psychedelics and food and all sorts of fun stuff. He was in the, in the igloo. That's becoming a trend. Uh, but first, Graham, it's my podcast, and I'll cry if I want to. Dunlop. <laughs> How's it going, buddy? Oh, where'd you get that from? That one was that, Did one you make that up? Or? That one's one of mine, yeah. But I have started accepting now. Like now, I don't have to think on the spot anymore because I've got a list of about 10 because I have started to accept um, applications. And your buddy... Um, <laughs> Your buddy Jackson was one of the first people to jump on it. Not that you ever really made things up on the fly. You'd sit there quiet until you yeah. had something and then start the recording. So exactly. Don't sound I'm all not spontaneous. As I'm not as witty as I'd like to be. <laughs> I'm quick on my feet, but not that quick. Um, yeah, I have started. You can't tweet him because Graham's creeping the tweeter. But uh, you can email him to me, Darren at GrahamAmerica.com. Uh, that's two R's and an E. And... Yeah, send them on over. We'll put them in the list, and uh, whichever one I think is funniest that week, I will uh, definitely throw at them, and we'll see if we can make them cry. No, we won't do what, that. What? I don't understand the whole crying thing. I don't get it. Crying, Graham. Crying, man. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. it, it, when I tweet, uh, I'll put my uh, hashtag Gra Gray America on there, just so people know. You're that starting was to me. say Graham like me. Gray America. Well, it's hard. Saying it in, with America in the back. Graham America. Yeah. America. There you go. Do you want to hear about my yoga class tonight? Oh boy. Yoga stories are always fun. Wait, do I have any. You should uh, have a yoga jingle. <laughs> I should um, have a. I might have uh, some classy background music though. No, it's it's nothing. It's just. It's just. Uh, I found this cool Friday night class in the city that's uh, close to me and it's. They've got a DJ playing during hot yoga and it's like a they call it a karma karma vibe class you can just so it's by donation so it doesn't even cost anything you just donate yeah pretty cool with a dj and a dj at yoga yeah come on yeah and then the teacher just like feels the class out and and uh and does the class you know in accordance with what she thinks everybody wants in the world is pretty cool. That seems weird to me. So they've just basically taken yoga and turned it into a nightclub? No, it's not like that. It's just, it's a yoga class. It's just instead of like music playing to the speakers, the DJ is actually just doing it live. Isn't yoga music like slow and melodic? No, there's some, I do some classes and I play like that bullet train song, like some dubstep in there. That's awesome. <laughs> you guys have fucking... <laughs> play this in the background. <laughs> Your favorite fucking Star Trek music. I just watched a movie where it was Star Trek Trekkies versus fanboys. Oh yeah, yeah. It's an old one, I think. It's called Fanboys. It's a movie that's called Fanboys. Yeah, 
It was oh, kind of depressing, oh, actually. But he dies at the end. Really? What's the difference between a Trekkie and a fanboy? Aren't Trekkies well, fanboys? Fan, no, a fanboy is Star Wars. Really? Yeah. Is that what that... Yeah. Really? And a Trekkie Star Trek. So when, they, have, have, when the child has like fangirl fan things, yeah. then it's all Star Wars related? Yeah. Oh. And those guys are, are obviously all Star Wars fans because they sure made us uh, Trekkies out to look like losers. Yeah. You guys were geeky anyways with the little suits <laughs> and your little fucking well, phaser I never wore a fucking suit or a phaser, but I prefer Star Trek to Star Wars. I know. I don't know why. I don't get it. Well, A, there's a million times more content. And B, it's just more realistic. I, I so went to Star Trek for Halloween once, and I had an electric shaver that looked like a, a phaser. Oh, we should get a fucking... <laughs> I wonder if anyone's keeping a tally on Graham's, Graham's Halloween costumes. <laughs> I think we're at like six. <laughs> Do you still I dress up? No, I should more when often. When did you stop? I don't know. Because I want to figure out how long it'll take before we've got like half your life. I was just talking about my other one to a friend and she was howling. Oh my God. Did I tell you what it was? No. Fro Frodo? Right? Yeah, you've told us about Frodo yeah. where you glued hair, your pubes on your feet no, or whatever. my cat's <laughs> hair. Oh. My long-haired cat's. Frodo. But the right height. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to at least four of them on the show. Four or five, I'd say. Yeah. I wonder if anyone can give us a rundown. We can make it a contest. You can tell us all Graham's Halloween costumes. Oh man. So, anyways, oh man, what a, what an episode! Oh, you fuck. <clears throat> Something's not right there. Oh, there it is. Something's wrong with your jingle, dude. And I'm just going to restart it. Okay, you want to redo that whole thing? No. Because I'm not ready. It's that Chinese chord again. <laughs> so, this is the profound UFO chord of the week. <clears throat> Something is going on in our skies that we do not understand. If all the airline pilots and Air Force pilots who have seen UFOs and sometimes chased them have been the victims of hallucinations, then an awful lot of pilots should have been taken off and forbidden to fly. Hmm. That's from Captain Carvendel of the French Gendarmerie. Hmm. Good stuff. Thanks. You I wonder if me. you can ever stop doing UFO quotes. No. And do like just different quotes. Can you change it up? What do you mean by that? Like maybe you could do a profound psychedelic quote. Or like a psychedelic guest. I don't know. Would maybe. you consider that or would that be like off the table? I'd consider it. Yeah. I like yeah, how you leave room for growth. For sure, man. Lots of room for growth. He's a pro. <laughs> I'm a rambling grand with How do you know I even have a synchronicity? Do you? Yeah. Yes. It's been a while since I got to rate one. But this is kind of, it's kind of about us. So I might not, might not be supposed to be reading this on the air. 
What? Yeah. So this is from our buddy uh, at Paradigm, Adam Loyal. Uh, Did you get this one? Yeah, I didn't read it, though. Okay. Hey, Darren and Graham. Or Graham and Darren. The synch- seen, anytime I see synchronicity, I skip over it. Okay, good. The synchronicity involves you both and something that's been on my mind. Oh, boy. I was listening to Grimerica episode 121 when I grabbed a can of Coke, something I do maybe once a week. I was thinking about the postcard I mailed you a few days ago. Uh, you haven't got it yet. And I decided to jump 200% headfirst into Grimerica. See, I envy the likes of Kevin Smith, Joe Rogan, and their friendships. It's a dynamic I can't help want, but want to be a part of. Not the celebrity, but the passions they share. I realized that Grimerica was what I've envied and didn't see it sitting right under my nose. Friends who have a passion and want to share it with others. So, now the synchronicity. I cracked the soda can open a split second before Niels... Niles? Niles said Pepsi-Cola. He's a true artist. You don't see him doing Pepsi-Cola commercials. He's found a way to do his artwork with as much substance and validity as possible without kind of doing this sellout paradigm. That last word was exactly what I was thinking. That was last night. The synchronicity continued this morning as I sat down to write this email. My fiance came outside with a can of soda and opened it right after I finished writing. So now the synchronicity. I hope this email, what did he say? Hope my postcard finds you well. It should help keep the igloo warm. Adam Loyal. P.S. Darren, your passion for percentages is why 200% came to mind. Adam's one of those guys that I, I never 200%. got to know as much at the Paradigm as I wanted to. Because you always, you're, you have to put everything into a percentage, right? And a number. People are catching yeah. on to that. Well, that's the that's law of the universe. Correct. That's the language of the universe. <laughs> Numbers. Yeah, I wish I got uh, got to know Adam a bit better. He was always helping out at Paradigm and always busy. Yeah. And and then that third year, we got a chance to chat a little bit. And I was like, man, this guy's been here all the time, and I kind of missed missed out. So well, it's I good smoke, to stay in so touch. Yeah, we both smoked, so I got to hang. I got oh, to share. A few yeah, you probably got a little more. Yeah. A little more. Uh, I talked to him on the phone for a little while the other day. Oh, cool. Yeah, I yeah. like Adam. Yeah, thanks. He's Adam. A good shit. Yep. Welcome to Grand America, buddy. I like those little Enjoy. synchronicities. Love we'll to have you on the show. Yeah, I was thinking that, actually. Yeah. I was going to ask him to come on. Yeah, bingo, bingo. And I'll give it a uh, double double whammy. I'll give it a 7.42. All righty. Good. Oh, and I got some other, speaking of numbers, I got numbers. some feedback that are, uh, if we do that donation segment where uh, people can donate a certain amount of money, then they can come on with their guest of their choice and come on for the show. Yeah. 432 should be the number, not 420. 4329, done. Wow, yeah, that's true, eh? Hmm. Then it includes everybody and not just the smoker. And nine is three. Three threes. Cubed? <clears throat> yeah. So if people are interested in that, let us know. Because so we haven't decided yet, right? Well, I don't know. Whatever. If someone goes to 420 and they want to do it, they can do it, even if we decide not to do it. So. <laughs> but try to get to 432. <laughs> or 432, yeah. <laughs> Grandma throw in the twelve bucks. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about James James Jesso a little bit because he's a fascinating dude. We had a great chat with him. And uh, hey, speaking he wrote, of, before we get into that, 
The what? fucking I Love Laundry tour doesn't say anything about fucking Canada. I, well, he might not be coming up now, right? Really? Yeah. How did I miss that? No, it's just because he had to go to New York, right? And then he's uh, coming down. We're talking about Adam Curry uh, coming up north with the uh, No Agenda I Love Laundry So what, he's waiting until next year now? Probably. Like, he, he kind of avoided mentioning, like, what he would do after New York, but he had to yeah. go south instead or so southwest maybe instead and then go to New York so he might not be coming up to Calgary like I because I mean it's already what October I mean maybe yeah. he should come up it's still fall it'd be you nice you better bring a f have a furnace in that motherfucker yeah if I was him I'd just stay south for the winter and come up in the spring yeah okay I come early spring though and we'll take you skiing yeah that would yeah we could do that yeah or, or fall's this. beautiful too driving through the mountains but he's got to go up through the mountains if he comes here yeah, maybe I'll listen. He's on the road. Yeah. Anyways, shout out to Adam Curry. Get your ass up here, motherfucker. <laughs> so back to our guest, James, James w. Just so Yeah, he's written a couple of great books here. Yeah, he's really articulate. Yeah, it was a it fun was, chat. It was fascinating. And he you fed me some fucking pine little, pollen. Pine pollen. Yeah. So I probably have little. Cold. I have little fucking pine trees fucking sprouting up in my belly. <laughs> So I wanted to read, uh, he's got Decomposing the Shadow and the True Light of Darkness. And he's he's kind of a, one of these guys who goes around and speaking engagements and stuff like that. And he's very articulate. So he's not just an author. He's actually communicating this to the world, really, um, you know, about psychedelics and even about just your relationship with food and all kinds of other, other stuff. This is the author's note from, uh, I wanted to read it out here, from the True Light of Darkness. He says, the stories that you will read in this book are about my experiences with a family of powerful psychoactive fun fungi. How do you want to say fungi or fungi? fungi? I want to say fungi because that's the right way to say well, it. <laughs> the psilocybin mushrooms. Many people have taken these mushrooms. And oh, wait, many... did he say fungi? I think he did. That's why I said it. He's probably, he probably knows, not you, Mr. Know-it-all. Uh, Look it up. It's probably one of those ones that just could be anything, right? Tomato, tomato. Aluminium, aluminum. <laughs> no, that's not one of them. <laughs> Unless you're fucking either A, English, or B, Wolverine. <laughs> so, um, hmm. many people have had these mushrooms, many people have taken them, and many more talk of them. Within the conversation, however, there's often a blank spot when it comes to the truly dark experiences. I've written extensively about hard and uncomfortable experiences being beneficial to one's psycho-spiritual maturation. However, those are not the really dark experiences. The really dark ones are the ones that come out of mistakes being made in the set, setting, and dose when things go wrong. They are the stories that most people try to forget. Yet within these stories are great lessons. Not only of the grandiose epiphanies of transformation and healing psychedelics can offer, but about how to avoid repeating the mistakes that brought us to such unnecessary darkness in the first place. So that's uh, the gist of the book. But I think there's a just, lot of there's a lot of positive stuff in here too. It's not just you know darkness. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, it's good. it's going to be a, a great chat coming up. What do you got? Me? Yeah. Nothing new. <clears throat> we ate at the other spam can, Harold. Yeah, we did, eh? <laughs> it's been sitting on the shelf that entire time, so... And I was fine. I actually felt better after the spam. Yeah, well, it's, it's not as bad as I thought it was for you. 
Wait for Rick good. Simpson. It's not yeah. good for you by any means, you by so? any stretch of the imagination. I'll, I'll take it's not as bad for you as I thought, but I wouldn't go into it's good for you. <clears throat> I, I got an email here from way too many preservatives. I would say from one of our listeners. I think he's a long time listener. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> yeah, you remember that too, eh? Remember what? That saying. Long time listener, first time caller. Yeah, I remember it from sitcoms making fun of it. I think really, though. yeah, that's weird. Making fun of coast to coast. No. I wonder if that's just a I've radio never really, thing. I haven't I've listened to a ton of coast to coast because I couldn't get that. coast to coast. Fucking Red Lake, right? Yeah, I remember in like nineteen ninety ninety one, it was on. That's like a. I'm pretty sure that's like a token line for me. No, oh. long time listener, first time caller. Oh, like on all talk shows. Yeah. yeah, probably. It's like you're just average middle-aged white dude. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> Is that <laughs> racist? Uh, no. It's okay, I'm white. Half white. Half white. Okay, so this is from one of our listeners, uh, Aaron Ponsler. <clears throat> I probably shouldn't say last names, but... No, you shouldn't. A.A. Ron. This is from A.A. Ron. And it, <laughs> it's too late now. I think it was uh, when we were talking about Bigfoot. By the way, I have t-shirts almost, uh, I have Safe Sasquatch t-shirts almost ready to go. No shoot? What? No take the shot? No. You didn't get any take the shot, mate. Well, it's it's got take the shot, but it's scratched out with a red line and then Safe Sasquatch. Jeez. I was telling you the take the shot ones are going to be the best sellers. No. Yeah. Email Graham and let him know which t-shirts you think. Order your t-shirts. I got some traditional Great American ones as well. The ridge with the purple? Ridge, yeah. But not on white, on light colors. So. What? Anyways, that's out of pocket too. So donations help with the t-shirts for sure. And we'll try and... Figure try out how we're going to work that. Yeah. Are we going to keep doing it the same way? Are we sure we should take a look at the logistics? Yeah, we'll, we'll, take, we'll take a look. Yeah. But I mean, if I if I can order more of them, it, the price goes down quite a bit, but I couldn't afford to do more than like a, a dozen or so. So, All right, so his email. I dare you to shoot the Bigfoot. <laughs> no, not really. I really don't think that would be possible. My thoughts on Bigfoot are much the same as UFOs. It's very, very possible that it's not possible to shoot Bigfoot because Bigfoot quite possibly doesn't exist. Oh, what, fuck thousands of people are just hallucinating? Sure. It, no, that's that's, that's like actually that, more believable, When you say right? it like that, it makes me sound crazy. <laughs> I've never experienced them, he says. I cannot say that they are real, nor can I say that they do not exist. If, however, Bigfoot exists in other people's experience, let's say en masse the reality of Bigfoot becomes that much more real until such a point that I experience an encounter with Bigfoot. Bigfoot can be shot because it's not totally real and as such, not entirely here on this plane of existence. Maybe occupying the space on the page next to us where our vibration and theirs cross in different places in time. So Darren, on that day when you're walking through the forest and you see Bigfoot, you line up to take the shot. Click, the gun misfires. <laughs> the cosmos misfires. It better not blow up in my face. The cosmos again confounds you. Maybe it was a moose or a bear walking upright. Yeah, it had to be a bear. Really? What the fuck? And Bigfoot still doesn't become quite real. And I fucking drop him with my sidearm. I don't even have a single gun. So. He'd, be, he'd be on you. 
Except for those. <laughs> Except for my <laughs> ornamental muskets, musket pistols. I'm going. I'm uh, surprised you have those up there, being half white and half Indian. I'm conflicted. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start powwowing. <laughs> That's pretty racist. Do you want to talk? <laughs> why? I don't know. I didn't oh, like yeah. your tone. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, why? I guess. Uh, yeah, sorry, buddy. I think I, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm gonna get the girls into powwow and shit. Really, it's good yeah. for the soul. Yeah. I used to have a bow and arrow. I, I, put, I tore holes in my fence, and when I was a kid, and these big like stomping points on them. There you go. I had a compound bow. Mine was traditional, like just a. But I'm just gonna buy a gun now. <clears throat> I don't, why, I don't why? need to be fucking shooting animals in the ass with an arrow and watching them run off all bleeding and shit. Oh yeah, I guess that's a good uh, a good point. Eh? There's more of a chance that you're uh, just wounding the thing. Eh? Then I gotta track it for a fucking couple days. Yeah. Wait for it to die. So you're taking the girls to powwow one? How do you? How does one do that? Um, is there like a powwow class you go to, or I don't know. Did this Superman? They have powwows out by uh, powwows out by Red Creek. Oh yeah. Yeah, Lisa's been wanting to go for a while. Really? Yeah, she goes to drumming and stuff. Yeah. I got her, no, I better not say, like, off chance she listens to the podcast <laughs> before her birthday next week. <laughs> she will listen. You can tell. What'd you get her I got drum? her a drum for really? her birthday, yeah. What kind? I don't know. It's like this thing. This fucking... Will it make me cry? Probably. <laughs> Only if I play it. <clears throat> Only if uh, Ray Cooper plays it. Ray Cooper. Isn't that the guy who did uh, like the Pepsi commercial back in the day with oh the glasses God, on? So? No, maybe. <laughs> what was the blind guy's name? Oh no, he was black, wasn't he? Yeah, the black. Yeah, the Ray Cooper's guy. white. Oh, who was he then? I I don't know. I forget that song though. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Okay, you're right. It doesn't. So you so you're going to the powwow is because is this well, super, decided is this yet. Superman guy inspired you kind of a little or? bit? Yeah. 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 Is that how you're going to get your fitness by power? Because it looks like no, it's pretty hard enough. work, eh? I don't think you, you don't do it like you, three days a week. Yeah, but you don't do anything one day a week. So it would be know. better if you did yeah. that one day a week. I go to the park. Go to the park? You went for a jog the other night, eh? Well, I was more chasing the kids around the park. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to tell me he went for a jog. I was chasing the kids. So speaking of that, we have uh, Superman coming up for probably uh, a live a live uh, chat room broadcast, right? Yeah, so um, yeah, it's to nine Eastern on Tuesday, the thirtieth. Supposed to be nine Eastern, so I'll update the backstage for that. Yep. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. That'll and, be an interesting. And do you want to talk about him a little bit? Uh, no, we'll wait he's, till next week. I think I don't know. Just to give people a heads up, who it is? He's a he's a world champion powwow dancer. Are they called dancers or powwower? Yeah. Yeah, he's a powwow dancer and uh, hip hop artist. He mixes hip hop and native culture. That's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's got his new song out. Why? That's going to be a big hit. It seems like he's fucking real good. And a new album coming out, Illuminative. Illuminative. Yeah. Very cool. Is that like the native Illuminati? Or? I don't know. We're going to find out yeah. next week. Sweet. Yeah, should be a good one. Looking forward to that. And I've uh, we've reached out to some guests. So. Uh, Booking up October, so we'll let you know who's coming up then soon enough. Huh. I, I guess we should have jumped or? into the. Oh yeah, 
I was just thinking that the perfect segue into the donation segment would have been when you talked about the t-shirts. Yeah, well, let's <laughs> keep, let's let's just keep talking about that. I I don't have to finish off Aaron's email. I I want to talk about the. the... Shouldn't you finish his email? You should finish his email. Okay. So he says, I was listening to the Haunted Rock episode, and you guys were talking about the 27 Club. I've been seeing the number 27 everywhere in the last 20 years or so. It pops up all over the place in movies. I would dare say it comes up more often than any other sets of numbers, like 2727 or 2772, 927, 5274. You get the idea. Until the last couple of years, I hadn't begun to understand why. And then I discovered sacred geometry, and it begins to make sense to me. The Pentagon has 540 degrees, 9. Half of 540 is 270, 9. So looking at the Pentagon, you get the pentagram, which has all the symmetry and self-similarity, the golden ratios, and 9s. Eventually, I'll get around to why sacred geometry. I believe that UFOs can't be a part of our reality. But 9 is 3 cubed, which is a triangle, so triangle is a key to the universe. Hmm. A platonic, like a triangle or a, tri- no, or a triangle. triangle shape, just like a, triangle, just a two dimensional triangle, yeah, or a platonic. So, you can understand triangle. the two dimensional triangle, then you can understand the universe. <laughs> <laughs> quote that that's a quote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. so thanks, Aaron. Thanks for the feedback. He's been listening for a while, actually. Oh, I just got to say something else. It could be cool. It could be coincidental. Oh, geez, I missed this. A cube has 2160 degrees, and it takes the Earth 2160 years to shift from one age to the next. 2160 times 12 equals 25,920, the great year precession of the equinoxes. So it shouldn't stand to reason that a cube is a cube wherever it is represented in space. at Sol or Sirius. It could be coincidental that the cube just has the right amount of numbers that correspond to how the earth moves through space. Now that's what I love about sacred geometry and the stuff Randall Carlson talks about is how sacred geometry also equals measurements within our solar system and time itself. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Anyways, he's one of our Facebook, Facebook buddies. Oh, is he? Yeah. We need more Facebook buddies. <clears throat> yeah, I, w- I was thinking we should probably try Facebook as a marketing tool a little bit more. It's fucking Speaking of that. Annoying. Yeah, we don't have any marketing, so tell your friends. This is a value for value model. That's no right. ads, no commercials. Same no thing. Pay no sponsors, walls. no paywalls. Free back catalog. Yeah, so donate. It's just purely like gifting, gifting donations to us, really, to help us with our expenses and to help us keep going, right? Yeah, help us. Uh, winter's coming, and uh, the igloo is getting cold. James Jesso, our guest, was part of a community that had a float tank in their house, and they went on the gifted business model as well. Like Did you they? could go down and do a float, just give them, some and just give them whatever goods. you wanted, right? So I gave him like sixty bucks or seventy bucks or something like that when I did it, but. So he's familiar with this model. I like the donate model. I, I really do. I like that. Like tonight's yoga class was like donate. It's the future of gaming. Future of what? Nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, so head on over to gregamerica.ca slash support. Check out all different ways you can uh, support the show. If you find uh, we're providing you with some value, then go ahead and uh, check out your options there. Some people do monthlies. Uh, 
we uh, appreciate that more than you know, that people sign up for the monthly programs anywhere from a dollar to $30 a month. Um, and then other people just do the one-offs and that's uh, just as welcome. Yeah. Yeah, eventually we'll have a couple t-shirts to give away or for sale or, you know, or for donation or something like that. Yeah. And we know of a few people that want them. And I guess we'll, if you get to 432 bucks, you can come on uh, interview a guest with us. Be a American for a day. Sweet. Actually, we'll kick Graham out and you can come in. <laughs> now we better not. I'll put all those links on how to support the show in the in the show notes as well. So yeah. if anybody wants, they can just flick their little device. Quit shaking your leg. And uh, go to the go to those links. And uh, if you can't afford that, of course, uh, times are tough. Go ahead and grammarica.ca slash iTunes. Leave us a review. Go on Stitcher. You can leave us a review there. And uh, if you've already done that, sign some people up for the newsletter. You know, maybe you want to tell your friends about the show, but you're a little embarrassed. Just sign up for the newsletter. <laughs> We're not going to tell them who signed them up. They're just going to get the fucking newsletter. And it's going to tell them this. When, when we're broadcasting, it'll say like with backstage schedule. The last couple schedule, episodes. The last couple episodes the just last a little few update. Yeah. We're not selling anything. It's just a no. little update. And there's a little button there they can hit unsubscribe if they're offended. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, everyone uh, everyone sign someone up for the newsletter this week. See if we can't double the numbers. And uh, yeah, big thanks to Justin for all his hard work there. Just another tentacle of the value for value model. And uh, as always, the best way to support the show is tell your friends. About yeah. this show. And send us some feedback and some spam in your stories. Spam, gram. Yeah, that's synchronicities. Stories have been down. We used lucid to get so dreaming, many. dreaming, trip reports. We used to get so many. UFO yeah. sightings. I love to hear that stuff, man. Take we want to make this to send kind your of feedback so we like, can read it. Yeah, we used to do. It's nice when we can do the intros, just nothing but your guys' uh, stories and stuff. People seem to like it. Maybe I've scared them off. Yeah, maybe. Well, the 7.42 will help. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, thanks for listening to Graham's Lazy Ramblings and my, my own. And enjoy the chat with James W. Gesso in Igloo. You know, it seems like the sound now is better in Igloo than over Skype. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah it's yeah. too bad we live in Calgary and not someplace that people well, actually if, travel through. If anybody knows of guests coming to Calgary and stuff too, we can. Uh, I was thinking about that. We should keep an eye on who comes into town and try and get them over here even though it's like 25 minutes out of town, but it's nice yeah. to have people in the studio. Yeah. But well, it's not like we live in California. Is, you can just have people like travel there. Two months, it might not be. People <laughs> might not be so willing to come in here when we're podcasting with fucking parkas. <laughs> like this whole fucking igloo meme could be really not so funny in a couple of months. Actually, we need to buy a, be, a heater for this place. Yeah. So people's donations help with stuff like that too, It could too, be right? super fucking ironic <laughs> yeah. when we're in here with scars and seeing our breath. And we need a heater that's going to keep the igloo down to silent. like five degrees above zero, right? At all At times. All so times. the equipment. Yeah. So it's got to be warm when we're in here and it can't freeze. Like when it's minus 30 or minus 40 outside, it's got to be still at least, I don't know. Maybe someone else knows better than me, but I'd say it's going to be at least 5 to 10 degrees in here. Yeah. So that there's no condensation on the gear. Yeah. Nothing yeah. worse than coming in here and trying to start everything. <laughs> it's dead. Big blue birds down. That would be ironic too. All right, guys, enjoy the chat with James.
Okay, guys, in Grammar tonight in the Igloo, we've got uh, James W. Gesso. We're going to be chatting about his uh, couple books he's written on psychedelics and, and uh, psilocybin mushrooms, which are always a, a fun time. And Graham with his psychedelic shirt. Hey, buddy. With his poser psychedelic shirt. I won't take them, but I'll wear them. Yeah, exactly. There's something <laughs> fundamentally wrong with that. <laughs> so, yeah, I met James Gesso at the psychedelic semi-formal that I went to a few weeks back. And uh, yeah, he had a great chat there. We're going to be talking more than about his books, that's for sure. He, he's been traveling around basically generating a public discourse on socially outcasts and taboo subjects. He's been writing, speaking, going to festivals and conferences and shit like that. And he's got uh, two books, two books, right, James? Well, three books, but only two of which I actually like have made much of an effort to promote. Okay, so we got Decomposing the Shadow, Lessons from the Psilocybin Mushroom, and The True Light of Darkness, which is the latest one, right? It is, yeah. So yeah, we can, there's lots to talk about here. James is a great guy. I enjoyed your chat at uh, the Psychedelic Semi-Formal, and thanks for coming to the studio, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great having somebody in person like this you can look at in the eye and not have that little Skype delay. Yeah, it's rad to be in a studio and not like with these little headphones in and a tiny little mic like hunched over my MacBook Air like, <laughs> trying to do an interview. Yeah. So you've been on a few shows, right? Yep. Yeah. Cool. And you've got your own show coming up as well. Have you started that yet? Yeah, I've got 12 episodes deep. It's called At Mind Radio, A-T-T-M-I-N-D Radio. Uh, it's short for Adventures to the Mind, which was the original concept around what I was doing was my website was called Adventures to the Mind and the Facebook and stuff. But recently I'm just kind of switching it over to at mine radio on Facebook and just kind of focusing on that as the primary means by which I'm sending out info on the net. Right, right. Outside of my newsletter and then just my my personal like homepage, which is like a catalog of everything I do. Right. So is is that, uh, are you going to be doing uh, like your own sort of talks and stuff on there? Are you going to be interviewing other people? Is it going to be a mix of all kinds of stuff? Uh, well, Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I'm not really necessarily having the plan to release any of my own talks specifically there. Uh, I tend to, if I like record talks and put it out, I tend to just put it out on Bandcamp for people to just download. Uh, but it's usually just interviews. And so far, it's just been interviews. So like I said, I've got 12 episodes now. My last one was with a guy out of Toronto named Michael Sanders. And uh, he just released a book called Ayahuasca and Executives Enlightenment. And uh, I, I interviewed him and just got like a really, really dope story from him about his uh, first time drinking ayahuasca out in the jungle. He's quite the storyteller. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. So how long have you been adventuring in the mind? Uh, I think the first time I took psychedelics, I was maybe 15 or something. When you're age 15, yeah? Yeah. So yeah. like pretty young. And um, the first time I took it, I was with, a, I might have been, you know, I might have been older than that. Maybe, maybe 16, 17. It's tough to tell because um, that time in my life kind of just like compresses oh, totally. together a little bit. blends all together. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a whole series of hormones. From like 14 to 17 is all, like maybe even 18 is all the same shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> before the age of, before the age of legal consent, <laughs> after the age of legal consent. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I was with a couple friends and they were like, yeah, we're going to eat these mushrooms. And it was actually a really great time for me to do it in great context because it was me and then two other friends who were experienced and then their older cousin, 
who, I, I, like I said, was maybe 15, 16, 17 at the time. Their older cousin was like 26 and had eaten mushrooms a bunch of times. So it was a really good, not like a spiritually focused experience. It was good because we were in a safe place with people that I knew and with someone who was like an adult who had experience and was like holding it down for us to have our video game adventure on right. psilocybin mushrooms. Right, right. Yeah. See, I think when I took the psychedelics in, in my youth too, it was probably around that time, like my teens and early 20s and stuff. I don't think I had enough reverence for it. Like I had a little bit of a spiritual side of me, but I was, I was taking it to trip out and, totally. and I, and I'd heard all these other stories of people trip and, and it never really happened to me. Right. I was probably too busy, like partying, maybe drinking at the same time or like other stuff was going on and, or I just didn't have it in, in the, in that, uh, set the proper set and setting. Yeah. So, I was, I was often just like, when I look back at those experiences, for the most part, I was often just bewildered. I have some fun stories from that time in my life and taking psychedelics then, but nothing that was really, wow, what a psychedelic experience, more like, wow, what an interesting series of events to happen while I was also on psychedelics. Yeah. Huh. What about you, Darren? Well, I don't know. I think part of it is when you're young, you just don't, like, a lot of that, you're expecting more than I think what the actual drug has to offer, you know what I mean? Like, I remember there was, like, cartoon acid, oh, you're going to see oh, yeah, Mickey yeah, Mouse yeah. and fucking Goofy and everything else. It's still recording. What's happening there? I don't know. It's just the fucking headphones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually remember um, in high school hearing about the quote-unquote cartoon acid and I actually remember very clearly being told that uh, that it's like you'll be standing there and think you're talking to Daffy Duck, yeah. you know, and you'll be like talking to a car, but it's like Daffy Duck. And yeah. That, uh, um, what was the other guy? The one that was always trying to Good. hunt Elmer Fudd? Oh, Elmer, Elmer Fudd, Fudd, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I'm sure I heard that same. It's it's coming back on there for a sec there. Thanks, Tips. Yeah. <laughs> I have headphones on too. <laughs> I remember those same stories, but that was in the like early to, or mid to late eighties when I was here. Now, so it's funny how that that cartoon acid myth stayed around for quite a while. Uh, yeah, I guess it does. I, I imagine it's it's similar to like um to a lot of things that you think when you're young you came up with or your friends came up yeah. with, like like the diarrhea song. You remember that when you're climbing yeah. on a ladder yeah. and you hear something splatter, diarrhea, yeah. right? Yeah, like, going down I thought I thought that was like you yeah, know, just, floating down the gutter on a piece of bread and butter or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. See, we used to make up slang as teenagers, and we thought oh, that boy. Uh, we, thought, we thought it was us, right? Like our group of guys coming up with shit, right? And then you'd hear it on TV, or you'd hear it coming from somewhere else. Grandma's like, actually made that stuff up. And Grandma's claimed to have made up slang on the show before. I can't remember what term it was exactly, but I remember him saying that he made it up. Yeah, well, it's I wonder collective. How things I went viral. about that, right? It gets collective. It gets picked up in the ether from our collective consciousness. Well, I really believe that some stuff like that, like where creativity comes from, like there's a, we're connected, right? Yeah, like spontaneous advances in in science and medicine and creativity happening in totally unrelated places at the same time. Like exactly. there are certain hundredth monkey that were all ready to bear fruit to this idea at the exact moment. Yeah, that kind of that's thing. the same thing as a hundredth monkey, really. I think it's just more of fucking the world smaller than we think it is. <laughs> Mr. Skeptic over here. Mr. Cynical over here. Cynical? <laughs> I think that's a stretch. <laughs> so what? when did you start taking this to like, um, like public discourse, I guess? Like when did you start realizing that there's a message to be told here? Uh, <clears throat> it must have been in 2011, 
uh, end of 2011, at the end of my personal journey with using psilocybin to correct and address a bunch of, you call it like dysfunctional thought and behavioral patterns. And uh, I guess I was ultimately learning from the mushroom, learning from my experience and integrating it all through a regular meditation, spiritual practice and the practice of writing. And uh, what I had learned in my time of really investing myself with these mushrooms, like in direct experience and direct sort of self-investigation, became valuable information for other people that I'd reflect and I'd get back from them. Like, this is really good. Like, this seems really helpful. And so also in a mushroom experience, I got the I got the call that I should write this all down in a book. And I knew that writing was what I wanted to do professionally. And I also knew that if I wanted to do something professionally as my career at this era and time, it didn't make sense. You can't just sit around waiting for someone to hand it to you on a silver platter. You need to pave your own way, you know, make things happen for you. Like don't sit around and wait for your ship to come, but yeah. like go out into the woods and cut down the trees, not literally, but like figuratively cut down the trees and build your boat and like sail that shit up river to, yeah, to the yeah. castle of your, of your dreams, you know? Wow. So how, I started, started sorry, doing that. Go ahead. How many experiences was it before you realized that there was more to mushrooms? And cause I know, you know, I think when we're kids and you first start experimenting with these different uh, substances, there's a certain it's just for shits and giggles sort of feel, you know what I mean? And it's for me, it wasn't until I got a lot older that I started to realize the powerful lessons that you could learn from them. How long did that take for you? Like you were talking about, it seems like it started pretty early on. Uh, no, I, I, they were for a time when I was a teenager, it was like, well, you know, I want something stronger than weed. I'll eat mushrooms. <laughs> Party time. Uh, but it wasn't till I was um, just about... I guess it was when I was in Melbourne during the age of 23, I was doing a lot of different kinds of drugs and then being fully immersed in a drug culture and uh, a very active and very vocal drug culture and very rather informed drug culture, though reckless. And I got a lot of new ideas kind of streaming into me at that time. And some of them were uh, seeds of reverence for the mushroom. And um, it was... Yeah, near the, near the end of 23 that I first used them as like a tool to... To reset, to reset myself, my mind. Can you talk about that process a little bit for people that aren't sure that how psychedelics can actually heal things, right? I mean, I know you incorporated meditation and other spiritual practices, but... Well, that first time was uh, I had gone to something called Rainbow Serpent Music Festival out there, and I remember running into a friend of mine and saying, uh, him saying, all right, don't get too high Saturday night, Sunday night's a real party. And instead I ate uh, two hits of extremely powerful LSD on Saturday night, which is essentially getting too high. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, you need to think I ate too much LSD, but I actually ate the exact amount that I needed to put my entire life into perspective, uh, a rather fractal perspective. But uh, I saw that I was using substances very recklessly, and, and the, the, the affirmative statement of, quote, I am addicted to drugs, end quote, became a visceral reality, and so did the implications around that visceral reality during that trip. And I left, I actually hitchhiked out of um, Rainbow Serpent the next day, ended up getting dropped off, ended up getting dropped, we lost thing again? Mm. We're still good. Okay, so I ended up getting dropped off at a train station, and uh, like sleeping there overnight at the train station, like waiting for the train to come at 6 a.m. the next day and getting back to Melbourne, like sketchy and like really needing to take a shit and locked out of my friends. I had to break into my friend's house essentially just to 
just to like find a place to rest. And so that left me pretty shook up and I decided I needed to get perspective on things. And I went on a fast from everything that I felt I was um, over consuming. And that included obviously drugs and alcohol, number one. Drugs and including coffee, which I was drinking like four to six lattes a day. I mean, they're they're pretty reasonably priced in uh, in Melbourne, and like it's a very coffee culture, so you just like drink coffee all day long. <laughs> and so uh, I stepped back from that. I stepped back from the um, sexual relationships in my life because I was being very promiscuous and not. I wasn't really being present with lovers. I was like going around and just like hooking up, and that felt like a, a process of consuming, like unconsciously consuming like sexual energy from others and having that consumed out of me as well because it's obviously a two-way street. Mm-hmm. And um, then I also decided that I needed to fast from my from like food because I was over-consuming food, just like mowing down pizzas and like not thinking about it, just putting it in me. And uh, I actually, I made myself viciously sick. I, I've probably told this story on another podcast, but um, I got myself viciously, viciously sick by the end of the day um, on this fast and decided to quit my quote-unquote three-day fast by the end of the first day. <laughs> fast this, fast. This sucks. Uh, and then the last thing was fasting for my socializing because I felt like I wasn't really taking in the... I mean, I'm just going to use my language now. Right? It wasn't necessarily the language at the time, but I wasn't really taking in the medicine of my friends group, of being really acknowledged and seen and held by other people who love and respect me and was being very frivolous with my interactions and felt that the a good way to do that would be to get away from everyone uh, or like leave uh, my social group. And so I got dropped off in the middle of Otway's National Park. This is still in Australia to be there for two nights by myself. And I'd never done anything like that before in my life. And I was 100% certain that that's what I needed to do. And uh, I had some friends source me some mushrooms too so that I could take them with me because previous to that, I had another friend of mine who was telling me about mushrooms being like a reset for your brain and that uh, he was sharing an experience of having a dark trip on ketamine and that messing up is like the way he experienced his life for three years after this ketamine experience and that he, after him and I shared a mushroom experience at like the Botanic Gardens months before the story I'm telling now, uh, it like reset it, changed him. And when he was talking about it in the group, I got the sense of like, oh, these can be a healing thing right, and right. heal my brain and that's what I need. I need to reset my brain because it's like, it's not working the way I want it to right now. And so I took these mushrooms and my full day there, I just started eating the mushrooms and wandering alone in the woods, uh, going on my first ever intentional, like actively like walkabout. Walkabout, yeah. walkabout. Yeah, totally. I went on a little walkabout and some cool stuff happened that day. Like I saw, I saw what, I mean, I'm just going to say that I seen it. Maybe it doesn't make sense, but I saw what looked like, um, a large black wallaby. And then I also managed to like walk this trail that I thought was taking me to these falls, but turned out that it wasn't taking me to these falls. It was just getting increasingly more bush and more like overgrown. I'm like, what trail am I on? And I got to the end of the trail. The very end of this trail was, it was like a pine forest, right? Like Otway's National Park is cool. You go down into the valley and it's like fern gully and you go up and it's like pine tempered forest. So I eventually come to the end of this trail after walking it for, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes and it's just a circle where there are no trees and nothing but brown pine needles. And everywhere I look are Amanita muscaria mushrooms. Wow. <laughs> like, oh, and I was, I didn't know anything about the mushrooms really that much at the time. I just knew they were Amanita muscaria, or at least they were what looked 
like the Amanita. Right. And I didn't harvest any, which was silly because thinking back, it's like, of course I should have harvested some, brought them to somebody in Melbourne that would know. And like, anyway, so I had this experience and then walked back and I also saw what looked like a, a giant black elk, which doesn't even make sense. Um, and it depends on the paradigm that you look at it with. If you look at it with the paradigm of like the Western mind that has predetermined what will or will not be within the woods and looks to assess things reality or their validity of its reality by objective observation, then you would say that I probably just was seeing things. But um, if you were to look at it from a different perspective, say one that would be a little bit more situated towards like the indigenous relationship to animals in the woods, it would be like, oh, what is the subjective representation of seeing this, this mm-hmm. black elk? And it was at the very end of my very end of my walk. So that was the first time that I intentionally used mushrooms. And, and by the end of it, I'm sitting there on a bench, like at the campsite, sitting there alone, wishing I had someone to talk to. And actually, at some point in myself, I, actually, I screamed out inside of myself, I just fucking wish I had somebody to talk to. And then this car drives up, and it's these two girls come to camp for the night. And as soon as they rolled up, I was like, thank God. And the next thing that I thought was, oh, wait, no, I didn't want this. <laughs> wow. Right? But they were, they were cool. They were super cool. I ended up like eating the rest of my mushrooms and like, because I couldn't make a fire. I, I, didn't, I wasn't really savvy on making fires and stuff. But they made a fire and made food, and I didn't bring enough food either, like canned <laughs> stuff. They like fed me, and I like meditated by this fire and stuff after they went to sleep. Well, yeah, that was the first time I intentionally used mushrooms. That was the end of the end of my 23rd year of life, chronological measurement of life. And um, that was like the, I guess, the real nodal um, experience that said, hey, this, this can be used positively because I came back after that and uh, I had a different, I had a different angle. Like I could sense in myself that there was something different about how I was interacting with people. I had more reverence for my connections and I had more um, presence with the people that I cared about. I was more cautious with the way that I interacted. Um, but it was also difficult because I was still in the same community that observed me only as the reckless drug user that I had shown themselves, shown myself to be. So it was difficult to come into a community and, who sees me for certain behaviors. And this is for anyone that sees somebody for a specific set of behaviors. When you're trying to embody something new, um, it becomes very difficult to maintain those new behaviors and becomes incredibly easy just to sink back into those old behavioral patterns. Right, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> wow. So what What kind of, so you mentioned that uh, you realized that, you know, do these addictions like drugs and stuff like that, but you ended up using mushrooms in, in a sense to get you out of that. Was that, uh, was that like drugs and alcohol, different types of drugs, like harder drugs? Or was psychedelics a part of that before, but not used in the same manner? Yeah, psychedelics were part of that before. It, was, it wasn't so much the drugs that I was taking. It was the role they were playing in my life, right. which was like pretty much I, I even had friends of mine that were like, you, real, you guys realize that whenever I'm around, the only thing you talk about is drugs all the time. Like every all the time, the only thing we talked about was drugs. And usually it was... what drugs could get you high in what ways and how we would take them to get high and then what it was experiencing like while we were high and what we could probably take later to change or better the high and what we'll be doing tomorrow and what drugs we'll probably take. And so it was just like an all-the-time thing. And the most intense it ever got was um, at some point I had ended up smoking amphetamine like out of essentially a crack pipe. And... um, that was like a big thing. I actually stopped amphetamine shortly after that because I had this like experience of um, 
You know, it's all it's all just like we were talking about before. I guess we went live or we started recording, but it's like the the line between like you're making constructive choices with your with your behavior. Your behavior is constructive choices of control with substance use. Yeah. To now your behavior is the substance use, the addiction controlling your behavior, and it's destructive. Yeah. The line is very thin and ambiguous, and you don't typically know that you've crossed it till you're well past it. Yeah. <laughs> so this this one night I. I like kind of came to in a way, you know, those moments of like moment waking of clarity, up. Yeah. yeah, I had a moment of clarity when I was smoking amphetamine, um, and out of a crack pipe in a downtown Melbourne bar, like upstairs with the manager, uh, who I had like met through some friends, like in the change room, and like the employees were like, "Hey, we need to get in here," and he's like, "One second. and all of a sudden I'm like, "What the fuck am I doing?" And then later I'm like kind of tweaking out and uh, I go to another bar and, and me and a friend are going to step out back and smoke a joint. And uh, as, as he's rolling the joint, um, I'm like kind of like, blah, 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 like talking and like being irritable and uh, talking about, you know, whatever. And I pull out this little bag of speed that I had and I go to do a bump and he looks at me and goes, hey man, are you sure you need any more? And I was so angry with him, you know, how fucking dare you try to control me? Like, I actually looked him dead in the face, very serious, and said, like, you know, you're my friend and all. I won't say his name here, but like, hey, you, you know, you're my friend and all, but don't fucking tell me what to do. I'm assuming it's okay for me to swear. Yeah, sure. yeah, that's fine. Okay, great. I say this to him, and he's like, okay, cool. But I'm so angry. I'm like, ah, oh, he's just ruined my bump. Like, I'll wait. I'll wait. Right. And then we, we, I'll wait until I'm not angry with him. And we smoke this joint, and we get through it and I'm feeling obviously much softer and I realize how I just behaved and I understood the implications of why I just behaved that way. I just lashed out at a friend who was trying to help me when I was misusing drugs. Yeah. And I looked at him like, I'm really sorry for the way that I just acted. Um, that was completely out of line and I thank you for being clear with me and um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. And I actually ended up giving away the last of that amphetamine to another friend. I was like, here, do you want this? Because like, I just can't take this. Like I, I need to stop. And I have, I didn't touch it since that day. Wow. Like not intentionally anyways. I mean, sometimes, you know, like accidents might happen. You think, yeah. you're, you think you're getting high quality MDMA at a festival from a friend. And the next thing you know, it's like, wow, my teeth are grinding. It's like math. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if things got really intense, I remember at one point, um, I, I might've almost done meth at one point because the crew I was with, they um, they had found some once, and they decided, all right, let's give this a try. You know, oh boy! And so they go home and they give it a try. And I happen to be away that weekend for some reason. And uh, they, their story essentially says that at some point they come to in this like tear of stuff happening in their house. They come to and they see each other, and they're like, "This is the best I have ever felt in my life." And the other guy's like, "Yeah, totally." And then the next sentence was we need to get rid of this and never take it again. Wow. And so they did. They like, and that, that was, as far as I know, anyways. So that was close. If I hadn't had their experience of being like, we shouldn't do that, I, I might have just been like, fuck, fuck it. Sure, man, let's try it. Get high, have fun. Hmm. Yeah. That's a tricky one, math. Yeah. Luckily, that the only couple times I tried, well, a couple times I was pretty fucked up already, so. Yeah, I crossed that line, and I didn't know. I, had, I It was coming until I crossed it. And that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to get out of that. It's really scary too. I mean, I'm, 
I'm really happy to be away from that life. And going to festivals, like you mentioned, I go to festivals. I do go to a lot of festivals because I feel like the message that I have about respecting drugs and being in reverence and um, with the potentials that they have to help and better your life, like specifically mushrooms or other psychedelics. Yeah. But then also I teach on things about relationships and our relationship to food and our relationships to sexuality, basically how to show up for each other in a positive way. Uh, I see a lot of really, really aggressive drug use around me. Wow. Not necessarily in my friends group. At festivals all and Yeah, stuff? but yeah. I see some pretty aggressive stuff. Like I was just recently at a festival and I had, you know, like a friend spontaneously put um, a tab of LSD in front of me and said, would you like to join the group? And I'm like, okay. And then later in the day, it's like, you know, hours and hours later. And I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have taken that. I feel like I've been really irresponsible with not having like really planned it and like, you know, thought consciously about this and, I'm just like wandering around thinking I've been so irresponsible <laughs> and I bump into this person who is like speaking gibberish and they're like, they're, both their nostrils are all caked white and their like eyes are bewildered and they don't even like see me. And I'm like, hey man, how you doing? And he's like, good, I, water, I'm going for water. I'm like, cool. I like follow him and like until I'm making sure he gets water and like hang out as he's like speaking gibberish to himself and pouring water on his face and like drinking it. I'm like, He's around an administrative area <laughs> in the light. I'm going to leave him alone now. But like, had that perspective of, yes, maybe I observe myself as being irresponsible right now, but actually, it's probably okay. I don't think that I'm going to be long-term damaged by this choice. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So what about some of your recent travels? You just got back into Calgary. Um, and I, when I... I I heard you talk about some stuff I've never heard of, actually, some psychedelics I've never heard of, and you talked about some pretty interesting experiences with, you know, like, do, do you do you um, have a different view of uh, chemically-based stuff compared to natural-based stuff? Like, Darren and I talk about you know, sort of like organics, like mushrooms and stuff like that, but... Yeah, I have I have a different view. I mean, like, personally, uh, you know, my, my substance use is very minimal, um very minimal and it's usually in the festival type environment and but anyways it's it's rather minimal and it's typically reserved to things that i know aren't going to damage my brain because that's very important to me but uh, i do have kind of a different perspective ultimately i feel like the organic versus synthetic argument oftentimes is based on um, a really narrow-minded fallacy which is that um, organic is from the earth, so it's okay. And synthetic is not from the earth, so it's inherently bad. And I think that's very um, narrow-minded reasoning because I mean, if, if you were to think about it all, like it doesn't seem to be synergistic with the natural flow of um, of organic, of organic plant and say ecosystem life. But technology is the result of the organic evolution of humanity, which is an expression of the planet. So technically, whatever we come up with is a part of the evo natural evolution of the planet. So the whole like natural versus synthetic is kind of like a shitty appeal to uh, appeal to nature or something, appear to naturalism, which is a fallacy. That being said, um, I do believe that plants and fungi, like they have an emergent intelligence that manifests in one's experience as a certain angle of meaningfulness, which can be harvested and can be worked with, can be learned from. Um, which synthetics do not necessarily have that, especially ones that are very, very new, can be quite hollow and can be um, 
it's very easy to fill those experiences with your own ideas and projections. Um, and, and they, they can, I feel like they can be quite meaningful. Like if you're looking for a certain caliber of experience and you're looking to attune and wire your brain towards that, that angle of perception, then whatever tool one chooses to use is going to forward that, that intention. Uh, but the plants definitely have a lot more to, um, a lot more to offer in ancient wisdom, you know, like mushrooms have been on this planet since the planet was a dead rock. And there's a very good chance that it was spores coming from, you know, asteroids that actually mm -hmm. started the entire evolution of plant yeah. life yeah. on, on the earth. Yeah. So they've been around for a long ass time. They've got a lot of intelligence sewn into them compared to something <coughs> that was created 20 years ago by humans in a lab accidentally. We had a listener email What's us that? that. What was in the lab? Uh, any number of letter, oh. number combination. Would you like me to go off on it? <laughs> what about DMT? How long has that ship been around? Uh, since the dawn of consciousness yeah. as we know it, yeah. probably. Or like Earth consciousness. Like, is that considered synthetic? No. It can be it, synthesized. Well I, well, I guess it's not synthetic, but it's like almost like Coke is to fucking cocoa leaves. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, what, what's know. the word for that? I guess fucking processed. Extract? Extract. Extract, yeah. yeah. Thinking, yeah. An extract, yeah. Well, I mean, that would be like saying, it depends on the thing, right? So if I were to say to you, uh, it, that would be like saying that um, flower essences aren't, aren't good because they're an extract of the flower, that the, you should only work with the flower. But I like agree. A, D, <laughs> so like a DMT is, is like an extract of a specific... Um, substance from like a larger plant substrate, like the larger plant medium. And uh, depending on the angle in which you approach it, I mean, different DMT coming from different plants would hold with it different intelligences, different intelligence, different meaning. Recently, wow. I've been reading a bunch about um, uh, the evolution of Chenga in Australia and the various acacia trees and the DMT contents in acacia and like basically the DMT culture in Australia through a book called Articulations by Julian Palmer, which is actually super, super good. And I'm looking to have him on my show pretty soon. And uh, it's very it's very interesting to think about like harvesting, like working with the intelligence of trees by smoking alcohol. It's almost like, you know, it's almost like if fucking psychedelics were at the front line of, uh, of society, you could get that, like you'd get, you know, different types of mushroom and DNT from different plants. And it would almost be like, you know, different fine wines. You know, if you want to yeah, work on this, no, you, oh yeah, you need, no, you know, you don't need that DMT. You need DMT from this fucking root of this plant. That's what you need. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, I think that we're going to go there with cannabis. You know, when yeah. you think about the various, um, we have the, the various alkaloids that are active, you know, THC, CBD, CBC, CBC4 or something. I, I don't know. I'm not like much into the cannabis science, but you have these various active alkaloids and then you have this whole swash of different terpenes, which change the nuances of the experience, the entourage effect, I believe it's what it's called. And these different terpenes present in different plants create different things. So it's like, is it more of a painkiller? Is it more of a sleep mm -hmm. thing? Is yeah. it more of a painkiller that also makes you feel awake? Is it better for back pain? Is it better for headaches? And that eventually will get to a point where you can go in with a very specific set of symptoms and, and there will a, be a plant or combination oil of oil or yeah, or, oil. or some sort of something that's been specifically bred yeah. to say like, this is for these specific symptoms, yeah. and you ingest it in whatever way you ingest it, and addresses those symptoms. Yeah. 
like going into the Chinese herbalist shop where they've got like a thousand different herbs and can like custom blend you something, but it's all just cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, it's like the potentials in we, there. We, we yeah. were talking about it this weekend with Rick Simpson yeah, where he, he said he honestly thinks that his oil with different things. Well, actually, when I mentioned that it could be fine-tuned, he, he was kind of like, well, why bother? He's like, if you just take this stuff I make, it cures everything. <laughs> <laughs> And then we got we got an email from a listener talking about growing their own mushrooms and putting intention on it mm-hmm. and focusing on it. Oh, person, that's like right. Having yeah, that I personal that. connection with like mushrooms that you grow, which would be interesting as well. Yeah, I think so too. I've never I've never grown mushrooms. There's a lot of things that I would love to welcome into my life more so, but given that I've chosen to go public talking about my use and experience with what is at this time an illegal substance, there's a lot of stuff. Mr. Jesso. Yeah, exactly. There's just a lot of stuff that I need to keep out of the yeah. out of my life to protect yeah. myself and to protect yeah. others. Yeah, so totally. I uh, well actually uh, all, all the mushrooms I've had in the last few years I've known and they they were grown by uh, my buddy's brother. You should go over there and put intention on it one day. I should, like, actually. It's a long Darren. drive, like, though. Do a little, like... It's like four-hour drive. It's nothing. I did, actually, only once have I... I've, I've seen, like, I've, I've visited um, people, and they've been like, hey, do you want to come see my grow up? And I'm like, oh, my God, yes, please. I'd love to see that, you know, and get to see all these, like, happy little mushroom babies, you know, growing. But um, once a friend of mine was like, hey, I have a surprise for you. I'm like, sure. And they had been saving the surprise now for like three or four months. I'm at their house pretty often. And they hid this from me really, really well. And they're like, close your eyes. And I, oh, I like put my hand out, close my eyes. When I open my eyes, it's this fresh mushroom. And they had been growing these mushrooms. And they said, so that's for you. It was the first time I had ever eaten a fresh mushroom ever. And it was a really, really pretty experience. My joy, it was also, I don't want to like give away too many information that can help people like, you know, the detective who, what, where, and how, but I, uh, it was also quite a challenging experience for me as well, physically. Wow. Yeah. We used to pick fresh Liberty Bells and just eat them like fresh, like, you know, Liberty Bells, those yeah. are the ones of the, those um, are the only Salacide ones we made oh. I believe it's called. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that Didn't many. Know I just know Salamanciata is like the Liberty Bells, Liberty Caps, and then um, there's like standard Salasabe Cubenzies and then a variety of stuff around there. And then there's um, uh, Salasabe Cyanesis that also grows on the West. These are like wild on the West Coast and are quite strong. So weird because when I was young, I just thought there was not one type. That's it. That's yeah. it. Like this the is a magic ones. mushroom. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> so when you talk about the difference between nature and, and uh, chemically produce stuff and you put drugs aside then what about gmos and stuff like that like is not is that not could that not be a comparison to synthetic drugs compared to natural drugs yeah totally yeah absolutely i mean when you think about whenever so oftentimes people think all right so i'm eating food and then the food might have some good things in it and it might have some bad things in it and it may nourish me or may not nourish me and so there's like this very basic understanding but there's actually a very complicated thing happening there when you're eating food that includes not only whether or not you're getting the right minerals and micronutrients and macronutrients and whether or not you're having too much fat or the right fats, but there's actually an extremely complex process of modulating your cellular behavior and your long-term epigenetic like cellular function, your epigenetic disposition by what you eat, wherein the genetic information contained specifically in plants, or at least more so in plants than in animals, changes the way your cells function over the long term which is then expressed in your offspring so what you eat 
changes the basic function of your cellular being, which then changes the basic physiological functioning, changes your psychological functioning because your brain, you know, is an organ that renders, you know, meaningfulness and and um, sensorial data into, you know, your subjective meaningful reality. And uh, so when your body changes, the meaningfulness of your experience changes, just like from, you know, eating veganism to eating a raw meat diet, you'll notice like if you were to like, or uh, all meat to all vegan kind of diet, you'll notice that your personality changes. So over time, you have these like changes in your cellular behavior, which will be passed down. It's called epigenetic changes. So it changes your cellular behavior, yeah. Yeah. changes the way your genetics are expressed, which then will um, be represented in how the actual, like the baseline genetics are expressed in your offspring, often generations down. So like we don't, we straight up don't know at all what GMOs are doing. And they give us a lot of information about like it's safe. And even scientifically, there's there's information to say that G- GMOs aren't necessarily unsafe, but we might not know until two generations from now. Even veganism, veganism is an experiment. You know, like point point to a vegan culture that existed in humanity for a long time thriving. They don't exist. So veganism is an experiment, experiment too. And we won't know and like there's already a lot of evidence that long-term veganism especially raw veganism can be very damaging to the body where at first it's very good and then damaging eventually wow so like generations down the line we'll we'll see so so it might become known or healthy to do things like in cycles like detox on veganism for a while and then move into like a you gotta go into seasons or something like that or in the winter you eat more meat the spring eat more just try to think of what paleo man used to have to do Right okay. in the spring, it would be just a gorge or on fucking vegetables and things yeah, like growing, and in the stuff, winter, it'd yeah. be like seal and fucking meat and mm. dried fucking shit. I've Roots. been thinking about cutting out meat lately and doing the pescetarian thing again for a while. Presbyterian. Actually, <laughs> 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 a fish. Fish, just get a gun with me and fish. we'll go hunt our meat. No, I don't. I don't want to hunt people or things. <laughs> Jesus, there's a fucking Freudian, Freudian slip. slip. Eh? Yeah, I don't want to hunt people either, man. <laughs> no, I have heard, however, it is the ultimate game. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm okay with dropping a deer. I think there's more reverence to shooting your own, hunting your own meat. I think so drag too. it out you of have the to, bush. You have to Got have it? Like a lot of responsibility you're holding there. Yeah, and then when you eat it, it tastes better. So, what do you do for a diet now? Like, it's kind of tough because I'm traveling. I haven't been like the most like on point with my diet, but um, but I mean, I picked you up and you had some fresh vegetables on you and stuff like that. Yeah, that I just harvested out of a community garden. Um, (laughs) I like I like to eat as many fresh vegetables as possible. Uh, I do use a lot of supplementation, Um, specifically, uh, I supplement caffeine as in I drink coffee and um, I eat a lot of uh, a lot of saturated fats like um, coconut oil and butter ghee or good butter if I can find that it's tough to travel with butter though it's easier to travel with ghee because it's shelf sta- shelf stable um, and it's pretty greasy though ghee <laughs> yeah oh yeah but it's it's good I mean like it's in a jar like mine leaks all over my, oh. <laughs> my cupboard <laughs> Oh man, you gotta buy better jars. But you gotta seal it tight. Uh, yeah, so I, I eat if I if I'm not able to get a lot of vegetables, you know, like going to festivals and stuff. I'm minimal pack, like minimal gear, so I don't have a cooler or anything. I'll I'll supplement with like a good quality greens powder, 
um i like algaes i like to eat algaes it's like supplementation stuff and also to keep my genetic health strong working with algaes i mean the algae has been around since the beginning of the planet too so you want to talk about a uh like an organism that's learned how to basically survive through every single major extinction and catastrophe that's happened on the planet algae has that has that sort of genetic code do you have any brand like is that a powder you'd put in a drink type thing or I don't know if I want to like go on record specifically yeah, like, yeah. Uh, promoting any particular brand, but yeah. um, that that being said, like personally, I have no association to this at all. But like personally, I've really enjoyed E three Live for algae, and then anywhere I can get like a good combination of chlorella and spirulina, which is like that's not brand dependent, but I know E three Live's brand dependent is really really good. Um, I found in my body, and then I've I've played with different types of greens. Um, but I, mostly, I have the Ormus, like the Ormus, uh, super f- green one or whatever it is. I can't remember what it's. Yeah. I've, I, I don't know if I've tried that one, but I, I'm familiar with this product. I'm recently, I was using something called amazing grass and, um, I really liked how that felt in my body. Yeah. Hmm. I usually try to stay away from things that have, um, phytoestrogens in them cause I get more than enough estrogen just breathing the air in the city and interacting with plastic things. I don't really need any plant-based estrogens. And wow. I, I try to get as many like phytoandrogens in my body as is like healthy. So I tend to supplement pine pollen, um, which I, I consider to be a really potent like medicine for the body, for the mind, especially for men, for women as well. But especially for men, pine pollen is... Pine pollen? Is yeah. that like oregano oil? No, it's like pollen from pine trees. <laughs> it might make me sneeze. I have allergies. Yeah, you don't breathe it. I okay. remember watching a friend of mine. <laughs> this is like one of the funniest experiences I have in my memory. I watch, remember watching a friend of mine. Uh, there was some pine pollen that got spilt on a table. I'm like being really cautious not to say names or places or anything, but um, some pine pollen got spilt on the table and they're like, ooh, pine pollen. And, you know, when you when there's something you really like, you smell it like, hmm, it smells so good, right? So I watch him go over, me and another friend are watching as he goes over, he's like, hmm, <laughs> pine pollen and he goes to take a big smell of it and it's pollen so it catches the air so intensely and it just like fills his lungs like, <laughs> <laughs> and, me, and me and this other guy are just killing ourselves laughing like why would you do that it, it's, it's pollen like it's pollen <laughs> So what do you mix it in water or you just eat it like in spoonfuls? Uh, you can eat it and you can eat it like it tastes pretty good as long as you don't breathe in while you're eating it. Just hold um, your breath and it has to be the igloo is pretty, the air is pretty still in here. Yeah. In, in or out really because if you breathe out you'll like it'll catch the air but you can get it supplemented in a variety of ways. I should I've heard that, that um, you can get it tinctured especially for men you know men you hit about I will hit about you know like between 32 and like 32 Five thirty-seven, like your your hormonal system kind of switches and it becomes much more difficult to like recover and so like that's leading up to that point especially after that point you need to try to be as dialed as possible right to like keep your like virile madness from what i've heard i'm only 30 now so i can't really speak from personal experience but from some of the other men that i've known they're like this is about the time that there's a switch so it's like if you're going to be getting your shit together with your diet and lifestyle like do it before then because after that it gets much more difficult and um that around yeah after around 35 you start supplementing with um, alcohol extracted pine pollen and it can help to keep your testosterone levels in a really functional way so i had another friend of mine he was He's probably like 
the most fit, best looking 45 year old man I ever knew. Like this guy, I'm like, you're not 32? Like seriously? Wow. Uh, and he mentioned that he puts a lot of that to pine pollen and that he reckons that men go through like andropause, <coughs> like women go through menopause, yeah. but you don't see the symptoms as much. Wow. And that it keeps him like virile and like potent as he's getting older. Wow. I should try that. So I like, I got that put in my mind. You are mind. getting older. Yeah. I know. I'm that age already. You're past that. You're past fucking anopause. <laughs> Grandmopause. <laughs> I like pine though. I love the smell of pine. I might get some of that stuff. Yeah, it's know. great. Does it smell like pine? I take oregano oil when I'm sick. Like Me I just too, had I some did. oregano oil a while ago. It doesn't really smell, um, like it, it, well you don't, I can't really tell you what it smells like because I haven't taken a good whiff of it because it's like as <laughs> it's part pollen? of the story. Yeah. <laughs> But um, it tastes really sweet, actually. Uh, there's a there's a couple stores in Calgary that um, there's only one store in Calgary actually that I know that sells it. The Light Cellar. That's the place. Yeah, that place is super rad. I really like what they represent. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy in there. Yeah. yeah. Where's that on Seventeenth? No, it's in uh, Bonas, I think. Really? Yeah, it used to be. Remember the well, you guys. This is Calgary local stuff. Like, sorry to everyone that's listening. We're having this like vernacular about Calgary local shit. You know, when you're like hanging out with a group of people and that people's all talking about people that you don't know yeah, that they yeah, know. And yeah, like, oh, yeah. okay. Anyways, it, there was a gas station that now the city of Calgary is paying stupid amounts of money to clean up because it was like leaking all this gas um, into the groundwater, but any or into the earth around there yeah. <clears throat> anyway so when they initially opened up they were this like little beacon of superfood like high health nutrient density place in the middle of bonus between the 7-eleven and a gas station slash liquor store <laughs> perfect <laughs> i mean now i think i haven't been to bonus now in over over a year it's maybe time for a visit to the light cellar but um yeah i've been to the new place pretty pretty cool the new place yeah, i think where they where they moved to still in bonus yeah, still in bonus is or, it the same is it the same place right on bonus road yeah, yeah. So it's not. The but I thought they place. moved or they expanded or something. They ex- was, I remember they're expanding. That's yeah. What it was, yeah, they got like a, a elixir bar. So we're doing yeah. a lot of promo for lights. I right know. Now. I hope yeah, I get a free drink next yeah, time I roll in for this. <laughs> so, so um, <clears throat> have you followed? I've heard this guy talking. We, we were going to have him on the show, but Cass Ingram, who talks about the cures in the forest, he's, he's written a ton of books. And he talks about Is that the, the Chaga guy. Yeah, that's the Chaga guy. Oh um, yeah, Chaga is a beautiful medicine. I've been working with Chaga for. About four years. I haven't been much recently just because I've been traveling, but um, Chaga's... Wow. It's like moss or something, isn't it? It's a sclerotial mass that grows on birch trees. Yeah, it's those big white, fucking sick-looking brown things, right? Yeah, well, there's different things. There's like a... There's also stuff that looks kind of like Chaga, but is very flimsy and breaks apart a bunch, and I think it's called... I believe it's called black, rock, black rot fungus, and there are... I'm, so don't quote doesn't me on this. It doesn't sound like it's... It doesn't... Yeah, don't, don't quote me on this. I'm not sure. You don't sure. eat the black rot fungus. Don't. It's bad. But there's like two different types of rot for trees or these particular trees. And like one of them eats a specific part of the tree that when it's metabolized and grows, it becomes black. And then the other one eats a different part of the tree. And when it, it becomes kind of white, so it's like black rot, rot, white rot. So there's stuff called black rot, black rot fungus. Ooh, A-E-I-O-U. <laughs> um... But yeah, Chaga's Chaga's a beautiful, beautiful medicine. And birch bark tea. Huh. It also promotes birch bark tea. I gotta say, it sounds like it tastes terrible. What about for meat? What do you do for meat? Um, typically, I just move towards grass-fed meats. Um, I don't mind eating pork uh, as long as it's like from a healthier source. I mean, ultimately, if you think about it, it's like you are your reality is what you eat. 
and even though there may or may not be actual uh, observable, observable material or physical components that would justify it, the meat that you eat and the way that it was treated and the health of that animal, the consciousness of that animal, I believe, feeds into the consciousness matters. of your cells and it matters. And so I think that um, I think that doing your best to eat ethical meat and meat that's been treated well is really, really important. Yeah, they have that new humanely raised yeah, yeah, brown there. It's, a, it's nice. Otherwise, I used to always go you to the farm. Tell. But I've been eating uh, well, grass-fed, hormone and antibiotic-free meat for a long time now. Grass-fed's key, man, because like if you want to think about fat as okay, I think fat is an extremely important nutrient, and most of us aren't getting the right kinds of fat. Right. We're not getting enough fat because we've been manipulated into this bullshit about cholesterol diet, and shit like that, right? Which yeah. I mean, like, yeah, if you have high triglycerides and you're eating shitty food and your cholesterol is like super high and it's dangerous, like. Be careful, but eating cholesterol that's like less than seven, less than twenty percent of the cholesterol that you eat in your diet actually makes it into your bloodstream in a way that affects your cholesterol levels. And most of it's being produced actually by the liver. And if the liver's producing cholesterol, it's because you have an infection or you're healing a soft tissue injury or there's liver damage. So it's like if you have high cholesterol, the first thing you should be looking, I think, would be to like, do I have an infection, a virus? Like, how's my liver? Um, but anyways. Um, where was it going with that? Grass-fed meats? Yeah, yeah. Right, so w when an animal eats something, when, when you eat something, uh, the fat that's in that, like the specific like shape or structure of that fat, that's what you use to build the fat in your body. So if you're eating a bunch of like canola oil, which is like toxin for you, rancid stuff, and that's the kind of stuff that you're eating, that's how you're building your cell membranes and stuff is with this crap fat. Canola oil is no good? Uh, not really. No, not as far as I can What's tell. What's the best oil to use? Uh, wow. It's like, you guys have me on as a, as if I'm like, <laughs> I'm like wrote a book about psychedelic mushrooms. You guys are asking me about my dietary regime. Um, for, for what specifically? Um, all around use, like, like all around use. Like we use coconut oil quite a bit. Um, I would be like, I find it's hard to, you like, you can't really deep fry shit. Well, you shouldn't, I, I'd say like really good olive oil, as long as that's being used for cold stuff or cold pressed hemp oil. Uh, and then for cooking ghee and coconut oil or, Can you deep uh, or like, coconut tallow, oil? like tallow, like good rendered, like f animal fats as well. Can you buy animal fats? I imagine so. Yeah. yeah. So my grandma used to always save like all that shit. Whenever she cooked, she had just jars of that stuff. Your grandma knew what was up, right? I like this meme that was on the internet um, a while ago. Organic food, or as your grandparents called it, food. <laughs> food. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, but the end, the end product here that I'm talking about is like the, the fats that the animal, the animal that you eat, the fats that it ate manipulate or like the food that it ate manipulates it its fat profile which manipulates your fat profile so if the animal that you're eating was fed with a feedlot like just a collection of shitty grains there's multiple layers of why this is bad one is when vegans and vegetarians talk about how raising animals is destroying the environment it's because we're growing all these fields to feed the animals that's only grain-fed animals that's not the same for grass-fed animals and so you have like you know, copious acres of land made just to like GMO feed uh, grains to these animals, which then produce like basically toxic fats because they're never being fed. They're being fed basically an extremely high omega-6 diet. And so they have high omega-6 and like damaged fats. And then you eat that. And then that's the fat that you're getting. 
But when you eat grass-fed, grass-fed animals produce more omega-3 fats and like a healthier fat structure, and that's what becomes your body as well. Unless the chemtrails just fuck it all up. And no, there's no chemtrails. And <laughs> no potato chips. Contrails, condensation. <laughs> there we go. Pay no attention to the man behind yeah. the curtain, Graham. <laughs> Persistent contrails. <laughs> very, very <laughs> persistent contrails all over the sky. I gotta quit eating chips. I actually mm. made some homemade potato chips last night. Good for you. And then you're sick. Yeah, but you know, at and the I'm same sick. time, well, at the I was same sick time, last life's night too. too short, right? Like every now and then. Well, that's the thing. But <laughs> then someone chips, was man. telling me the other day that I feel because I because I'm bad on chips. Like that's my fucking that's my nemesis. Nemesis is chips. Like I can I eat pretty healthy everywhere else. Like uh, and then pow. You know, nine o'clock bag of chips every night, a big bag. And then we, someone's telling me the other day that if you eat chips, like when you get to like 45, you've been killing a bag of chips every night, you'll start to get fucking anal leakage because of all the trans fat that's built up inside you. Wow. I, I'd rather not get anal leakage. No doubt. That's what I was that like. Was the that was sounds for fucking terrible. Chips. <laughs> okay. I, I gotta say though, I love a bag of chips. But you got to be careful. Like you have to be really cautious about what you eat, right? So I, I saw, I've seen. Have you heard of David Wolf? You know David Wolf. Yeah, I saw Superfood him. Guy? I saw him live once. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to see him live a couple times, which is really cool because he seemed like an interesting. I got to have a personal conversation with him once for about eight minutes, which was wow. like at the time I'm like, oh, so starstruck. But um, he had made a comment about like bettering your diet in life by the ADD method, which is just like add cool shit and upgrade and eventually you won't want to go back to the crappy shit that you're eating because you feel so good so yeah. i like to eat chips so i've just said if i'm going to eat chips i'm going to buy the higher quality chips that i pay a slightly more price for less and then i can have my chips you know i mean like excessive grains or excessive grains process and you should probably avoid it but then i have my chips then i don't have to feel as guilty i'm not like sinking an entire bag of like you know doritos lays or doritos or something and i'm eating like Actually, a rice stuff chips. Like, no, I don't really like rice chips. Like way, way better snacks is a cool, cool bag of chips. I'm thinking a lot of promo for the. I hope that I get free way better chips in the mail right now. There you go. But um, get like way better chips or what about um, sun chips? I really like sun chips. Are those no. the ones that are kind of wavy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Bad. I don't think those are good. Ah, oh, they're right. so delicious. So. <laughs> Let's get back to psychedelics for a bit because okay. I do have some. Wait, you don't want to keep talking about chips? Psychedelics. Well, I'm not a chips? chip guy. <laughs> What's your weakness? Pancakes. Chocolate? Pancake? <laughs> I make a pretty mean pancake. It's more of a crepe style. But it's I have delicious. the 10 grain pancakes, so I figure if it's that got 10 grain, disgusting. Get the healthy, teff, make teff pancakes. It's like the smallest grain that exists. My friend made them super gluten free, really good. Teff. Really? I think it's called teff. Yeah. I use uh, flour, a couple cups of flour, some milk, a couple eggs. My, no, my nemesis is sugar, really. Like, I've, I've got a sugar. Sugar's a bitch, sugar. Ron. Everyone's Sugar's nemesis is sugar. Fun. You know, when you eat, you get dopamine release. If you eat a well-balanced meal, you get a dopamine release, and um, you feel satisfied. And then if you eat that same well-balanced meal, you'll get less and less of a dopamine release, so you'll want to eat more variety. That's why we keep eating variety. You can't eat the same thing every night. Eventually, you get bored. But if you eat sugar, every time you eat sugar, you always get a dopamine release just less and less if you eat the same amount so you end up eating more and more and then eventually like every di- every meal that you have has some kind of sugar in it yeah. because you don't feel satisfied because you don't get that that dopamine yeah. trigger of like oh yeah I got what I needed yeah. sugar's gonna turn out to be How long the do you fucking think it- the worst one of all you watch in our lifetime it'll come out I was listening that's to buddy today that drug, he said man. that's the only thing that fucking he figures 100% of cancer is connected to sugar 
some way, shape, or form. Or that, well, certain, you know, certain, certain things are causing it. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Because Pro- we actually need, we need some sugars. Like, we have an essential sugar need. Yeah, like, proce- like natural sugars, not, like, processed or refined. Yeah, there's and, even, like, a, a set of sugars called um, beta-glucans that aren't, we can produce, sort of, but they aren't producing a lot of fruits or foods until well they've after they've tree ripened, which none of us have, like, unless we've eaten it off the tree, we've almost never gotten a tree-ripened fruit. Uh, that we need to build proteins that will hang out on the outside of our cells in order to make these like branch type receptor and receivers, receptors and transmitters to communicate intercellular information. So we need sugars, but there's like nine different types of sugars that we need, and we're just like mega dosing on like glucose <laughs> and like shit crap sugar, yeah. like our insulin, blood glucose. Yeah, is I all think his thing was like, like other shit causes cancer, but if you don't have that fucking shitty refined glucose in your system that's what it eats mm. so how long do you think it'd take you to detox off of sugar uh like i don't i don't really two? know a week or two you think seven years i've noticed that um i've noticed that if i eat something that's like really noticeably sugary like a f- fruit like fruit is the sugar for the most part is contained within like the larger plant matrix nutritional matrix so it's not as intense but I find like if I eat something that's pretty sugary, it takes me three to four days before I stop craving sugar. So like I haven't had like strong sugar for a little while. So if you were to offer me a sugary treat right now, I'd probably be like, meh, pass. But if I were to eat that sugary treat tonight and you were to offer it to me tomorrow, I'd probably say yes. And I probably want to say yes for the next two or three days. This is what I've observed in myself. But then after that third, fourth day, I'd be very easily be able to be like, no, I don't care. Yeah, see, that's Grounds in a perpetual state of yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that's not so bad, I guess, depending on what you're yessing to. Oh, fucking Timbits in the office today. Yeah, you know, just... I was on the phone with Kevin when he was buying the 50-pack of Timbits. Oh, those are sinful, man. They're so good. <laughs> and, then, and then our receptionist is always bringing in like leftover oh, cakes and stuff. So people are eating <laughs> cake like seven in the morning, eight in the morning. Yeah, it is. It is tough. It is tough. But I mean, if you if you get yourself committed and dialed in, the, the first day that you show up to your life in what you see as your high performance state, the rest of your life will be referenced to how good you felt on that day. And you're much less likely to make choices long term that make you feel shitty because you know what it feels like to feel really good. Yeah. As Graham, yeah. you can probably relate to. Yeah, totally. I don't know about that. But... <laughs> I got to hear I've a kicked, bit of Graham's I've backstory. Kicked, I've, kicked, over I've, kicked a, I've had to kick a lot of stuff over the, the years and I'm left with like coffee and sugar, really. And I don't put sugar in my coffee, but honey in my coffee. Nice. And I'm down to like but then you a, eat a grande and a half, two grandes maybe a day. Cake. At yes. this point, I'm drinking, I think I'm drinking like three or four cups of coffee. A cup day. as in a grande I, or? No, as in like, as <laughs> a in 250 the, equivalent, the equivalent of like maybe, maybe 400 milligrams of caffeine a day, okay. maybe, which is kind of intense actually when I'm no longer, I don't know. I, I, I'm really not the best person to ask for health advice because like I'm traveling right now and I'm moving through like instability and like airiness and I'm just doing my best to eat as healthy as possible while harvesting greens at a community garden. <laughs> harvesting or no, I forgot. I promised I wouldn't implicate you. No, no, no. I, I, I looked, I looked into it. This, it was not stealing. These, okay. these greens are for people to harvest and it's the end of the year and they Is need that... to be harvested or they're going to go bad once the frost comes. When we were kids, we used to always, that used to be our thing, sneak out and go raid gardens. <laughs> thought we were so badass like 11 years old three in the morning running around eating carrots 
Wow. Whoa, slow down, dude. I you know, know. Co- cops might be listening to this. I know. That's fine. <laughs> so so back to the psychedelics then. Um, <laughs> Speaking of cops. No, because I got, I got questions, man. I got a question about right, the, right, uh, right, the right, archetypal right. dragon or uh, reptile that people see on DMT, and I just want to get your take on that. Because uh, it's, it's, there's some crazy things going on with, that I, I feel like with people that are, you know, using, taking ayahuasca to heal or whatever, or people that are having these journeys and seems to open machine up, elves. open up a dimension that's more real than, than waking reality, right? For, for a lot of people. And I wonder why people are seeing the same <coughs> creatures, you know? I think, um, preloading and priming is one of the big reasons, like you're being primed uh, towards seeing certain things as well as culturally, uh, there's a bunch of imagery and symbolism that's sewn into the larger media culture. If you live in the Western world, that when you interact with certain patterns of consciousness in these States are similar enough in feeling that they render, uh, similarly visually and experientially once they've been categorized as fitting the profile of alien or, um, use Terrence McKenna's quotes like machine elves or whatever it might be in regards to DMT. I haven't, I haven't, I can't say that I can speak very strongly towards DMT. I have had my time in the light with that stuff, but ultimately I ended up leaving it behind um, because it just didn't really feel like it was adding to my life so much anymore. And um, though I have had some positive experiences with it, I feel like for the most part, and this is also something that I agreed with when I read in Julian, uh, Palmer's book articulations I mentioned earlier is that the the full blast off experience tends to be too much for people and uh, you can't really integrate very much out of it and so you come back and you just have these wide-eyed ideas and visions and I think a lot of people latch on to this construct that they create to explain this very unex- seemingly unexplainable experience of interacting with various forms of consciousness and then drawing together these stories about aliens and other dimensions and, and what have you and I'm not I'm not convinced personally that there's other dimensions in that way though I have had though I have had experiences of interacting with different archetypal forms of consciousness or patterns of consciousness that seem to exist on different levels I just feel like it's actually different angles um to observe consciousness through the medium of one's seemingly individualized corporeal shell Wow. So you, so you don't necessarily think that you're opening up a, a portal or something or actually like peeking in through a different dimension. You're just sort of seeing it from a different angle. I think that you're just seeing it from a different angle. That being said, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Like for ayahuasca, I've drank ayahuasca 10 times. This is like, this is novice. Like I, I know, like I have some, you know, academic stuff around ayahuasca and I've have, I have 10 experiences. This is almost nothing. Right. So I can't really speak very much to it uh, in regards to what that experience is. I can speak from my experience with other psychedelics and the way that I observed it. So there's a lot of room for me to grow in my own um, perspectives around that. But that being said, I, I feel like we are, when we go there, interacting with different patterns of consciousness, similar to how we're interacting with different patterns of consciousness when we communicate with plants and in whatever way we choose to communicate with them, consciously or unconsciously, unconsciously by just eating them and not realizing how they change our experience, or consciously by actually like dipping into the, like feeling them out and being present with them, or how we interact with different people. But um, I'm not really too sure about them, like these these other entities supposedly being like sentient creatures or, or what have you. I feel like they're 
they're often more projections of one's own mind. But you know, the I'm 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 recently more and more agnostic about that. Like uh because I was much more cynical, kind of like it's all bullshit. Essentially at one point I was like, it's all bullshit. I had an ayahuasca experience that showed me like all of this is smoke and mirrors. Like the shaman, the songs, the ayahuasca deity. I actually at one point had an experience that ayahuasca was a parasite, like harvesting my consciousness. And the shamans were like these like evil, like soldiers for the parasitic consciousness ayahuasca. Like that was bullshit. The economy, that's bullshit. All my moral social values, that's all bullshit. My perception of being an individuated human in my shell, that's bullshit. My spirituality, bullshit. New ageism, bullshit. All of this was just like ripped away from me. And I was shown that there's the only thing that exists is this one infinite moment of just everything all at once, non-dual reality and that's the only real and then everything between this and that is just a load of shit that we made up and that made me quite cynical because it was wrapped up in a very painful experience but as i've continued to journey and work with ayahuasca and have gone down to peru to work with it there and just exploring the work of other like very well established and deeply researched psychonauts and other people who write on plant consciousness i'm coming to see that there's there's a lot more to it that even though it is kind of a construct that we've created like this whole meaningful experience like we've created the the human world and everything we perceive as it as it stream through um what we see as human consciousness the subjectivity uh and shared subjectivity that we call objective reality through human consciousness um that there's that there's something there's something there there's something there between the between the everything all at once the all that is all at once infinite consciousness that is the most real and then the reality or at least a perceivable reality of us now, and then the in-between space is having validity too. But I'm usually quite skeptical about people talking about experiencing um, other entities and this kind of stuff. I feel like that's to identify with that as being real. I think it's to kind of miss the point um, of of what they, if it's a they, or what the experience is kind of showing you, which is something about yourself or something about consciousness itself rather than um, what you observe on the surface of aesthetically as being what it represents itself as being. Mm. But again, I have a lot deeper, I think, to go before I could really speak to that more wow. definitively. Reminds me of like day residue and dreams, like, you know, subtle little things that have happened over the last few days kind of gets... Put into your dream? Yeah. So, so what are some of the psychedelics that we haven't heard of that you think are going to be important to us and our culture going forward? Um, like, is there anything that you're kind of like on the leading edge of that you've experienced that you, that aren't really kind of part of pop culture right now? Cause uh, ayahuasca is obviously taken off. It's like a exodus to Peru for this thing. Well, yeah, I think, I actually think it's, it's going to be psilocybin mushrooms. Wow. Really? Yeah. I, when you look at what's happening right now in regards to the, um, Depression studies and stuff like yeah, that, Yeah, the right? clinical research is that we're likely to see ayahuasca and MDMA brought into clinical therapy uh, within the Western world a lot sooner than anything else. On the underground, um, on the underground, I mean, like, the thing is, is that the, these things have been available for, since the dawn of the psychedelic culture in the, in the 50s and 60s, uh, but they haven't always picked up. But I think... Um, I mean, there'll be something to be said about 5-MeO-DMT eventually. Uh, and there already is stuff to be said about 5-MeO-DMT, Iboga, uh, and um, 
and uh, Chenga. Yeah. And Chenga being like, essentially, pharmacologically, it would be the equivalent of saying smokable ayahuasca, but that's that's obviously just like a generalized way to describe it. The <coughs> experience is nothing like ayahuasca. And Chenga is indigenous to Australia, did you say? Chenga was invented in Australia by a guy named Julian Palmer. This is what I understand about the history, and it's um, it's basically making sub sub-breakthrough doses of DMT available so that you can experience the heightened aesthetic and experience like energetic experiential changes of DMT and the lessons that you can get from the various herbs and the trees, like the wisdom of the acacia trees or the wisdom of the grass or whatever you're learning from wherever the DMT is coming from, available more regularly by mixing it with a smokable five or a smokable MAOI. So that's that crazy that's shit Rogan was thing? talking about. Yeah. Yeah. What were you saying? Rogan was talking about that crazy DMT. Jenga? No, the five... Uh, five MEO DMT? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between that and regular DMT? Uh, so I haven't I haven't had five MEO DMT uh, other than in Yopo uh, in like a... Seems like a um, semi-traditional ceremony because it was traditional in the sense that the person that did it has like spent five years or something living with a tribe that it's like their history to work with Yopo. But he also was once um, considered to be a carrier of the medicine for peyote and has integrated a lot of other like things into the way that he does, he does his work. Uh, So there's five MEO DMT in Yopo, but it's so from a objective standpoint, it's apparently about four times more potent than NMDMT, which is to say that you need four times less to get a breakthrough dose. And uh, it has no notable visual characteristics. So the patterns and the aliens and all this stuff don't exactly exist. And um, from what I've heard about the experience, it's just like a complete dissolution into non-dual awareness rather than going into like this you know, like cosmic circus of colors and patterns and weird entities and all this stuff that actually um, there's a, it's just like straight non-dual experience Mm. as if, as if merging your, your individuated localized consciousness with the subjective experience of mind at large for just a moment. Huh? Fuck. Yeah. Oh, there you go. His eyes light up. What about what about microdosing? Have you experienced that or played around with that at all? Um, I have, yeah. Uh, I actually, like speaking to, say, research more than my personal experiences, um, I've seen some friends have really positive experiences microdosing with iboga, iboga total alkaloid extracts, or just the iboga root, um, in coming off of long-term opiate dependence. Wow. And... Uh, like to the point where they said that after a week of just microdosing this, which had no effect on their experience, daily experience at all, they just forgot to take their opiate dose, which is just, that doesn't happen when you're opiate dependent for no. three years. You don't forget so you're to physically, dose. Right? physically dependent on it. And um, I've heard a lot of things. I've heard uh, anecdotal stuff about um, correcting Parkinson's, microdosing as like having a very positive effect on Parkinson's because it like resets the neurotransmitters. Um, this is for microdosing. I have a I have a podcast episode called the Iboga Medical Subculture. I think it's like episode. Ooh, I think it depends on how it's being counted down, but like on my count on my website, it's like episode three, and it's with um, Jonathan Dickinson, who represents something called Gita, the Global Iboga 
Therapy Alliance. And so there's that microdosing, which I'm, I'm very interested in even for spiritual development as well. And then there's microdosing psilocybin, which I think might be, you know, like actually quite beneficial to people. Uh, in time, we'll probably see that microdosing psilocybin can work as an effective way to to work with depression. Yeah. Um, and then there's microdosing LSD, which I actually think microdosing LSD uh, might be an effective effective way of and I, i'd love to see the research come out of this but treating add and adhd because uh from what i can tell there's an increased creativity there's an increased engagement of like the meaningfulness of one's experience like i once read a quote that said it had an added layer of meaning over everything um and i i believe that the that the minimal dopamine interaction that is with um the lysergic substances like lsd is um, modulating the dopamine system that allows for longer strands of attention, which is why you know you can stare at something for absolutely ever and just like go into the like if you're high on LSD, like literally go into its molecular structure just by looking at it for who knows how long, right? Five seconds, three hours, and um, that there might be a might be a function there that allows for people to have sustained attention because of it fixing dopamine. When you think about a lot of ADD medications, like ADD and ADHD medications, they're amphetamines. They, they either, you know, simply said, like block the reuptake of dopamine and norepinephrine or they release it, right? And so if dopamine is one of the things that you're modulating to correct ADD because there's some sort of dysfunction in its, in its firing or its usage and LSD is manipulating it and experientially people are saying long-term sustained focus on things while also feeling happy and engaged and more creative, you know. I think the same with psilocybin, there's like this added creativity. We're talking about functional connectivity as a result of a flood dose of psilocybin. It seems to make sense that, uh, you know, microdosing it over time would eventually create the same thing, increase functional connectivity within the brain, which would then allow for you know, I, what I call more lateral thinking. So being able to like intersect and connect different ideas, be more open to waves of insight, be more open to cross-reference oneself with their experience and with the reflection of others. Wow. Yeah, and like I don't know much about microdosing other things. Like I've heard that there's a, a 2C chemical, 2CD, that's a very high dose that you need to take um, in order to have an experience and that there's some... Um, there's some talk about lar smaller doses working like a nootropic, and then there's the question of like, would all of the two Cs have taken as a small enough dose have a nootropic effect? But most of them are active at such a short, very small amount, like 12 milligrams, infinitesimal almost, right? Then it'd be very difficult to dose that. Anyways, I don't know. I haven't really explored much with the two Cs. This is all stuff that I'm getting, like reading the forums, reading Reddit, yeah, yeah, yeah. staying yeah. up to date on what's yeah, happening yeah. in the culture. Well, you articulated very well. Wow, that's, that's fascinating. It gives me hope for... Different, different ways of healing, right? I mean, the pharmaceutical industry is just a, a nightmare right now, right? So. Yeah. If if for for the listeners that if you're looking for more information about microdosing, there's a subreddit r microdosing, um, and then there's a man named James Fadiman. Uh, he he wrote a book called The Psychedelic Explorer's Guide. I believe there's a section in there on microdosing, but that's actually a great resource for anyone looking to work with psychedelics. He, um, like myself, actually recommends people to be with a sitter though my books are talking about doing it alone and quite intensely <laughs> alone um and uh he has he's like the premier microdose researcher in the world as far as i know 
and uh, he his work is a place that goes to James Fadiman. He's also like he's like an OG man. He's been around like he's the only person like it'll change now, but he was the only person to get his um, doctorate on uh, human trials with LSD in the sixties, late sixties, which was about uh, minimal dosing. Right, like minor dosing for problem solving. Wow. And he talks about that in the Psychedelic Explorers Guide. Wow, that's interesting. I've always said you can, uh, I always found that in the, the late stages of LSD, like the last, you know, after like nine or 10 hours when it's the next morning and you haven't really slept, that I was always, <laughs> I found like I could fucking, I could be doing, well, you can't, I've never slept. Like if I take acid at six o'clock at night, then I'm up all that night. Guaranteed. He feels like super bad afterwards. He's no, like I just, super yeah, efficient. I feel like I'm that. super efficient. I, I feel like I, I can't sleep afterwards either. I feel like time. the next morning I can be I could be doing, you know, a dozen different tasks at one time and everything just seems to be everything's like timed perfectly, even though I'm not paying any attention to it. It's just like I've caught myself before where, you know, I got downstairs to the washing machine just as a dryer goes ding and it's I had this one experience at a friend's place, um, I won't say where, I won't say the context or when, but I had this experience where we had taken LSD as like a intentional journey, like at, at their house. And it had to do with me just needing to assess some stuff in my life. I just really needed to check in, but I, I didn't need the, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's teaching at the spirit plant medicine conference this year. This dude that talks about 20 to 30 gram mushroom doses. Yeah, I want to talk it, to you about that too. He, he calls it the journey of the alone into the alone. <laughs> I didn't need that. I needed sort of like, a group reference thing, a bit of play. And so me and some friends, we took some LSD that my one friend had and um, we like climbed up to the roof and like saw all sorts of things moving in the sky that we all just agreed that we were objectively confirming as unified, unidentified flying objects, but we didn't have anyone to reference that with. So we just let it be what it was. Anyway, sober that is. Uh, and then you know, all sorts of stuff. And then at one point I'm holding this knife and it's like a super sharp, super sharp knife like kitchen knife and we're chatting and then we're like fruit ninja so irresponsible like fruit ninja <laughs> and then before we do fruit ninja we just like talked for a minute about like how intense it would be if i accidentally like let the knife go and stab my friend and then like what would happen and then it got like really visceral as we were explaining it and we had to like shake it off because it got stupid <laughs> intense and so um <clears throat> My friend's like, all right, I'm going to throw this at you and you're going to fruit ninja. And I'm like, okay, we'll just do it underhand and like, let's do a practice run. And he goes, no practice. First time you get it or you don't. I'm like, okay. Like, I'm not much of a hand-eye coordination kind of guy. I didn't play, like I played baseball when I was a kid, but I don't, I don't have that kind of stuff. And he's like, are you ready? I'm like, yeah. I like get in this meditative state and I actually embody like my inner samurai. I'm like, I can do this. And he throws this apple up in the air and I just whoosh, and fully, it's like that scene in Hook with um, Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams where he like spins the coconut and they like land and it's spinning around and everyone's like, bang a ring. But like actually, like I hit it perfectly down this, perfectly down the center, like right in the middle and it lands on one side of the room and the other and they're like spinning. And we're all like, oh, shit. And then we ate it. Perfect. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, so L LSD and high performance. Yeah. Do you remember what my reply was last time you told that story, Darren? What story? That's just what it feels like to be organized. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't get it. <laughs> I do remember that state, actually. Do you? Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's what microdosing is like. Yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah. What so, microdosing is like? No, just the, after the... You're like, just like that all the time. Not being... High, high coming down off of LSD type thing yeah and not feeling like 
coming down like other drugs, right? Like, you're not all depressed and shit. Well, it's non-toxic. It's not depleting any of your neuro, neuro, neurochemistry as far as you can tell. And as long as you're like eating, mostly eating decently as you're coming down and you're not stressing your body or whatever, then. So you're going to this conference in Vancouver. Yeah, I, I just got my tickets all sorted out. I won't be teaching there. I taught there in 2013. Right. Um, but um, I'm actually just going to attend and hopefully, um, because I've I've taught there before, I'll get a chance to meet some of the speakers yeah. and hopefully yeah. rub elbows with some people who are really inspiring for me. Yeah, like this guy who t- who's uh, talking about the the heroic dose. Like this is like a super new heroic dose. Of- it's not even heroic. It's just it's like, like ultra high. Yeah. Um, and then also Martin W. Ball. He's a big inspiration for me. Um, and Dennis McKenna, Kathleen Harrison. Um, uh, who else is going to be there? Spirit Plant Medicine. McKenna's going. Yeah, Dennis McKenna. Yeah, Spirit, when's that? Spirit Plant October twenty fourth, Vancouver, UBC, twenty fourth to twenty seventh. Huh. Yeah. If any of your listeners go there, you recognize me. Come up, say hi. Yeah, well, we got some listeners in Vancouver for sure. Yeah. I went, um, when I went there in two thousand thirteen, it was really cool. I believe uh, Gabor Mate is going to be there oh, too. Oh yeah, right, right. Yeah. You could probably like pull up the. Yeah, I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. Cool. I might. I'm, I'm not would, to seriously consider. That would be there. cool. I wouldn't mind running Dennis either. Now that we're not going to Minnesota. Yeah. So, do you got any other conferences planned, or what? What's your? I know we didn't really talk much about your books. I mean, you touched on it a little bit, and I don't want to keep you here for too long because we weren't really supposed to go this long. But uh, how long have we been talking? About an hour twenty. Oh right, yeah, that's, that's all right. That's yeah, all right. That's not yeah. I thought it was longer than that actually. But. Um. Well, ultimate. I'm coming to the tail end of a very long. Um, tour and I'm feeling quite tired to be honest so I'm going to be doing um, I'm going I'm traveling out to Nelson from here Alex Gray uh, and Allison Gray are going to be in Nelson and they're doing a workshop that unfortunately I missed um, getting tickets for it sold out very very quickly Uh, like an all day workshop and then they're doing a talk in Nelson on the 9th and they're doing a free like book signing on the 10th and then there's a show on the 10th at the Bloom Nightclub that is headlined by Blue Tech and um, supported by Ataya, who's actually a super dope guy in the scene here, um, who's playing in Calgary in a couple days what? on Friday. Yeah. What? And then, uh, so Blue Tech is headlining the show at Bloom Nightclub, and uh, Alex Gray is live painting, and it's, I have to be a part of that experience. Like, I, I don't know when I'll get a chance to be in the presence of this, like, man who changed the face of visionary art. Um. Blue text written down as a note in my in my note thing. Oh to yeah, che- to check him out. He's cool, man. His mu- there's his album Elementary Particles was like a Were huge you proving opening in Muse for me. <laughs> it's like a bit of a synchronicity. Yeah, but he's not going to judge it either. <laughs> <laughs> so so Blue text in uh, in Nelson with Alex Gray and them too. Like yeah. it's a whole when and when's that October tenth? October tenth. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, Alex Gray's doing a live painting. But I think I think the. I think that well, the show is either uh, yeah, it's already sold out, and you could only buy tickets locally. I had to call a friend and be like, "Please, please, please buy the tickets." And then I believe that there you can buy the tickets to the talk on the ninth online. So check that out. And then there's the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference, and uh, this, you know, what is it? Today's Tuesday, so two days ago was the nine twenty psilocybin day, and there was some stuff happening in Montreal and Toronto. Nine twenty is that a day? September twentieth is psilocybin day. Officially, as of this year, is psilocybin first one. Day. Yep. Huh. Yep. We missed it. <laughs> I was I was at uh, I was at uh, Fozzy Fest um, 
I did a talk on mushrooms the day before and yeah. Nice. Any, anyway, so. And July 10th is oil day. Yeah. Oh, there is actually a conference happening. Um, I don't know what it's called. I think it's called, I actually think it's called psychedelic psychotherapy. It's in Victoria. It's on October 3rd to the 5th. I believe I can just pull up that data right now. Sure. And in the meantime, when you're doing that, um, did you say blue tech was coming to Calgary then too? Blue tech's not coming to Calgary. One of the people that's playing with blue tech is Ataya. Oh, he's, he's got some really, really super good tunes and he's playing in Calgary on Saturday, Friday, Friday. Yeah. Uh, sub shockers show. Those guys are local. They, they do some cool stuff too. Man, that Alex Gray thing will be cool. Wonder you must have to be fucked up to go do psychedelic art. Like, do you paint some of it not fucking tripping think, out, um, and some of it tripping out, or? Yeah, you probably would experiment with uh, your creativity in many different ways. Like, how do you paint in such a way that when I'm tripping out and I look at it, I'm just fucking mesmerized? Well, I think he he attributes LSD to some of his earlier breakthroughs, but from what I understand now, he talks about it just becoming an altered state of consciousness that he just accesses now through his art. Okay, I believe that it is called the event in Victoria... October 2nd to 3rd. It's called Psychedelic Psychotherapy. You can check it out. Psychedelicpsychotherapy.com. Or sorry, huh, psychedelicpsychotherapy.ca. Okay, cool. I'll put that in the in the notes as well. Maybe it's... Is it the 2nd to the 3rd? Uh, anyways, it might be... Whatever that weekend is is when it is. 2nd and... Or it's the 3rd and 4th. Yeah, it's the 2nd and 3rd, 2015. Isn't the 2nd of Friday? Uh, yeah, Friday, Saturday, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, I'll look that up. I got dinner that night, so. Yeah, it seems to be hosted or supported by Maps Canada, Loadhouse. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that one looks like it'd be really cool. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make it out to that just because I'm I'm actually playing a show here in Calgary for like opening for Alicia and Starkly, which is like, I also DJ music. Oh, sweet, really? Yeah. Yeah. Where where's that at? I don't know at this moment, but I can find out for very shortly. Because of course, like I would totally be stoked if a bunch of your listeners were like, "Yeah, we should go to the show and like watch the psychedelic author play super yeah. tripped out psychedelic music." Yeah. You should send us some music, and we'll use it in this episode. Yeah, that's a good idea. You could actually check out my the soundtrack to my book and use it in the episode. Oh, Perfect. for sure. Yeah. 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 So you can go to truelightofdarkness.com and there'll be a link to soundtrack and there's seven tracks there five five tracks six tracks perfect S- several okay, tracks cool. yeah, several we, tracks yeah we use that really I like it lots producers. of musicians lately yeah so so do you want to touch on your books quickly so people know um, a little bit more or just uh, on a brief summary yeah so um, so the two books that you have out front Decomposing the Shadow and the True Light of Darkness they kind of represent like the left the left and right of this model. So, of course, one was written first, another one was written <laughs> after, but instead of it being one and two, first and second, it's more like left and right, yin and yang. So Decomposing the Shadow presents the um, the perceivably objective academic essay-style model, like the psychology of psilocybin, our emotions, the self, this kind of thing, and runs down basically the model that I constructed for how... Um, and why psilocybin can help us move through the dark side 
of ourselves and into the positive light and into um, what I call psycho-spiritual maturity through a process I call emotive psychosynthesis. All of this is explained in the book, talking about acute or and chronic fear and emotional repression and societal repression and conditioning and all this stuff uh, in the sense of it being like like an academic, maybe not academic, but like essay style book. And then, so the young, directive. And then the True Light of Darkness, which is the new, newest one, comes at the same, we'll say like it's the same hologram, same holographic platform, but at a different angle. So it's like the yin, the receptive, it's storytelling. So if the decomposing the shadows, like the, the dry model, then the true light of darkness is like the living reality. And it follows three of my own experiences working with mushrooms that are particularly dark and each one getting progressive, progressing in complexity and darkness um, to the point where it's like the third one is actually me in a place of acute depression, very upset and taking a high dose and getting into a sensory isolation tank and really um, <laughs> diving, diving really, really deep. Wow. So yeah, wow. I, I, I mean, personally, like I wrote Decomposing the Shadow um, three years ago. Yeah. It's, I've, I feel like it's quite a good book, um, but like I, you know, we are our own biggest critics and I, I really think The True Light of Darkness is much, um, is, a, is a better, is better. I just think it's, my writing quality has gotten much better. Obviously, the Decomposing the Shadow was my first book. Came out of nowhere being like, I'm going to write a book and did it and now I'm on my third one. I, I think True Light of Darkness is... Um, is really something quite special. Wow, wow. And actually, I, I, I got something for you guys. Um, I just got to pull this up on my phone here, but I got a promo code that I made for your listeners. Um, nice. Very so cool. you guys, for listeners there, you can get a copy of True Light of Darkness, the ebook, for um, like 24% off. I mean, it's not very expensive as it is, but you can get still a few dollars off uh, by going to bit.ly which is like short link bit.ly slash capital T capital L capital O capital D ebook. So bit.ly slash TLOD ebook, true light of darkness, uh, and then typing in TLOD Gramerica and you nice. can get 20% off the ebook. Sweet. Yeah, I'll put in uh, the show TLOD. Notes. Yep. Yeah, I got it here. Mm-hmm. And, TLOD. Uh, just to follow up there on that show that I'm playing, it's called the I don't I I'm gonna butcher this because I don't actually know how to pronounce this, but it's like a local group in Calgary called the uh, Ganesha Ganesha series Nesa series, um, and it's it's like G E N E S A series. It's at the National Music Center on October third. Looks and like Genesa. Nisa. Genesa. Yeah, yeah, Genesa. Thanks. I'm the pronunciist. <laughs> If that's a word. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I'm playing that show as well. Right on. And sorry, that was a Saturday, did you say? That's a, that's a Saturday, October 3rd. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, you, you guys should come out. Come check us out. Yeah, I might yeah, actually I might do that. that. We were yeah. supposed to be in, uh, we were supposed to be away that weekend, but now we're not, so. Oh, right. Yeah, so it's not this Saturday. It's coming up on Next October Saturday. 3rd. Right, right, right. Okay, I actually yeah. might go paintball on that day during the day. Practice hunting people. Well, it is hunting people, but the ultimate paint. game. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right you on. You should well, come. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I want to shoot the shit out of you with some paint. <laughs> actually, like I'm, I, you should let me know, man. I'll come paintballing. That really? sounds like a load of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I might actually be stressing out in my house, being like, uh, "Gotta get ready for this show." It's still yeah. super new for me. Like, I reckon I do a good job, but it's still super mean. Oh, maybe yeah. paintballing so would I mean. be a good way to just uh, forget about it. 
Yeah, yeah, just get all adrenaline out. I'll go if Darren's not in his like coming down from acid superhuman mode. I'm always slightly superhuman due to my <laughs> Denisovian DNA. What would be really interesting is if you took LSD and well, then we went paintballing, paintballing and then see what happens. Yeah. What an intense you just find experience. Me, Holy shit. You just no, find okay. me in the back corner fucking stroking my gun. This is my <laughs> rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. <laughs> Without my rifle, I have nothing. My, my craziest uh, acid, acid experience was uh, we had brand new mountain bikes in 1989. So these were like high tech, like rapid fire shift mountain bikes. They were high buddy, tech 20 buddy, years ago. My buddy took me through, uh, through a, a ride on acid through downtown Vancouver like in the traffic it was pretty, whoa yeah it was pretty insane trying to keep up with him and he was just flying and i was like could hardly keep up with him just tripping out in the traffic you're not very smart yeah <laughs> yeah then you were just another one of those up. crazy kids on acid uh, young man on acid drove his bike into the side of a building today contact vice maybe you can get a on a micro documentary vice has a uh, this series of stuff online called it's like the on acid series so nice. it's like um, monster truck rallies on acid dog show on acid and they just like pick up a friend of theirs and the whole like the whole gimmick is that they give their friend acid and then take them to things does and, he like, know and like interview them like yeah document them throughout the course of it yeah, yeah they they know I like the CIA used to like secretly dose people yeah in the it's office not good to just surprise like people on causing us. somebody to commit suicide and stuff there's actually MK Ultra that whole thing I believe there's a book called the acid diaries or the acid Oh, the acid something, yeah, something. and um, they talk about uh, talk about the history of the MK Ultra and stuff. But yeah, um, you need to see yeah. that shit coming. Even you know, if you don't know what's you coming, you need to know. I I would like to go on record saying never ever dose somebody against their against their will. It's like it's no different than rape. And if you do, at least tell them. No, just well, don't. Then, just then don't. Do well, no, don't do it. But say you already did. Say they already did. They just got <laughs> to this part. And if like, if you're gonna do this really horrible thing, at least try to do it consciously. Yeah, let him know. Like, when he start, when you see him start acting weird after about forty five minutes, just him. be like, "All right, dude, I gave you some acid." <laughs> <laughs> I got a, I got a couch prepared for you. Some nice music. Yeah, I got some nice music. We're just gonna go over here go for a hike. <sighs> Taking the monster truck rally. Yeah, that yeah, is a really we're really going to do some no, stuff. The, the interest of the monster truck rally one is good too because they like they go to the monster truck rally, but the vice is like set up this whole gimmick that the truck rally thinks that the guy that's on acid is like the host of a show and the host is like interviewing the people behind the truck rally and so he's going around trying to give interviews for people and he's just a regular Joe on two hits of acid. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah it's pretty it's pretty fun to watch. Yeah. Right on. So, is there anything else that uh, we should touch on before we let you go? Or? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I actually kind of have to pee, so it might be a good time to close. Yeah, the show, yeah, let's shut it out. Yeah, Graham's had to pee for a while. You can it, tell when he gets all fidgety over oh, there. For fuck's sake, I have a, to pee too. It's okay. It's a great chat, though. I mean, thanks for thanks for coming in, and it's just fascinating. Yeah, yeah totally, really, really good. Yeah, cheers for having and, me in. It's uh, a cool studio. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah. have you back maybe after after a half year, a year when your new book comes out. Maybe we can talk about your travels and the conferences and some of the shit you've been teaching. Yeah, I've been I've been saving money, and um, we'll be hopefully not hopefully. I'm I've been saving money and working up towards uh, doing a little international travel. Go meet some 
um, other people around the world, do some other types of study and just see if I can expand my knowledge base for the next book. Yeah, that's great. Wow. Yeah. Well, Looking so forward to it. Yeah. But uh, before before we sort of sign off, I'd maybe like to give out my links so people can absolutely online. Yeah. So um, for everyone listening, if you want to check out basically anything that I do, it's all streamlined through jameswgesso.com, which I'm sure will be in the show notes as I see mm. Graham typing it in. Yeah. So that's all through jameswgesso.com. My new book is The True Light of Darkness. Uh, you can find it on the website I just mentioned or truelightofdarkness.com. My other book, Decomposing the Shadow, decomposingtheshadow.com. But it's it's all streamlined through jameswgesso.com. Uh, Instagram and Twitter, at jameswgesso. Uh, my podcast, at mine radio, A-T-T-M-I-N-D radio. Uh, check me out. I have some cool cool stuff coming up the next one uh next time i'm going to be interviewing specializes in researching sexual experiences while high on psychedelics and like the metaphysics behind how that all works and what it manifests and stuff so i'm really excited to get him on the wow show. yeah that's yeah. interesting excellent right on it's been been great thanks yeah cheers guys yeah thanks for coming and remember don't dose your friends <laughs> back to the Grand America show as I chat with James Jesso. Yeah, that was a good one. I love that. Yeah. I love learning Talk about, about I, I feel like I've been learning a lot about food and, and uh, stuff like that, listening to podcasts and having people like him in here. Like yeah. I'm inspired to eat better right now, actually. Well, you were eating a fuck crushing a donut at like 10 <laughs> after 7 this morning. <laughs> a day old. <laughs> I, hey, I put half in the garbage. Because I called you on it. <laughs> It wasn't very good. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> the day old Boston cream. <laughs> no, it was long John. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I know I got to deal with the sugar. It's not really like that bad, but sometimes. It's... So, I pick chunky. up James. I pick up James to drive him to the studio, and he's got a paper bag full of fresh vegetables from the, from the local community market. I'm like, now that's what I should be doing. Yeah. You know, and meanwhile, it's too bad. You know, I could eat a lot more celery if cheese whiz wasn't plastic. Yeah, celery is supposed to be pretty good for you. Celery and cucumber, like yeah, I keep, I eat a lot of cucumber. Yeah, I yeah. keep buying it, and I just don't. Yeah, you, know, eat you it fucking well. you take cucumber, you peel it, you slice it up a little, and slices. put like salt on it. No, like, you can do that too. Or you or soak like it in salt. vinegar, and it's pretty good too. Yeah, soak it in vinegar and then strain it with some onion. Mm. But I like to like. um Slice it up, fucking bit of mayo, splash yeah, of vinegar, like splash of sugar, 
splash, sugar. Splash of dill. Yeah, see, you, mix it all up. It counteracts the vinegar. And hmm. yeah, the sugar is what gets you. You could probably supplement the sugar with honey. Or stevia. Just use stevia. But I use organic ones. sugar, so but still. Still. I should be using honey. Hmm. I've been drinking kombucha lately. Kombucha. Oh fuck off. It's supposed to be pretty good. Oh, we had some actually, but we had a scoby. What's that? It's like the thing that lives in the kombucha. Oh, really? That was fucking pretty disgusting. Like, I was pretty grossed out by the whole affair. I don't understand. I drank a bit, but it sits in a jar in the shelf. Well, because our friend makes their own. Really? Their own yeah. kombucha? Yeah. And it's something that it, lives in there and like, yeah. generates, like, yeah. so it's like you're actually like ingesting like, it's like live this white things, fucking huh? thing that lives on top. <laughs> and you drank that instead drink of the, the juice from it is the kombucha, or at this at least this is my understanding. And, and that's the scoby. The scoby. Yeah. Oh, we should have asked James about that. Mm. Actually, wasn't too terrible tasting, but the whole fucking process was. If I didn't know the process, it would be a lot cooler. Yeah, I'm just thinking that which it, is my why I don't want to go to a slaughterhouse. Yeah, I know. My relationship with food sort of has to change a little bit. That's why you should come hunting with me. You know what it is? It's not about that. It's about, I don't realize that just like eating a donut, for example, <coughs> is more harmful than I think. I just think, ah, it's only a donut, right? But it's really like, that adds up, right? Yeah. <laughs> so sure you're still eating them the next morning into the wee hours of the next morning. <laughs> oh, you should come hunting with me. I'm yeah, gonna, I'll, I'm getting I'll my, come my hunting, license right if away. If we see Sasquatch, you ain't shooting him. You'll come drop deer, though? Uh, I don't know. I might just so you come, come to try scare them away. <laughs> Throw rocks up I still say it's more fucking ethical to kill your own meat than to hunt, than to think. Kyle's been bugging me, too, for years. And finally, you know, I'm just, not only does it fucking excuse to go out hunting with the boys but i mean it seems like a more ethical decision the wife likes more natural meat right instead of me paying fucking double for me to get it for not can't free, you just get close. it when they already die though or something like do you have to go kill them like can't you just find you just them wait dead till or they like fucking just... die and no, then like, fucking or, eat them like no but like fucking, we're in, like, like we're in the golf fruit? course the other day and i was at nose hill park and i always see deer around like do you have well, to i'm not gonna shoot the deer at nose hill park but what's the difference you're going to the mountains to shoot them yeah like? I don't know. They're like friendly animals I just need hang around. For this. What? Let's see, last time I was talking about shooting animals, this is the only time I ever got. Good. Yeah. You deserve hate mail for wanting to shoot animals. There's got to be a better way. Yeah, well, let's just you wait for be lab grown meat. If you're going to send me a fucking hate mail for wanting to shoot animals, you better be a fucking vegetarian. And plants are alive too. So if you're fucking some sort of no, species. but it's di it's different. You could be a pescetarian because fish don't have the same level of consciousness as pigs, Says and you. pigs and maybe fish don't even have the same level of consciousness as plants. Well, no, probably uh, a little bit more. Oh, you're the consciousness <laughs> fucking measurer now? What do you like the fucking horse whisperer? Uh, you know what I mean, though, right? It's it's different when you're. <sighs> When, uh, You're not a vegetarian. I know. You can't talk. I know, you got a point. You can't speak to Fuck. it. I might have to work on that. Yeah, you come that talk was to for me a couple vegetarian, years. or you come hunting with me, and then we'll eat the meat that we fucking shot, cleaned. We could even do a little ceremony if you want after we shoot it. 
Do you know how to do that? No. Okay, well, I don't even up. know how to clean it. <laughs> Joe is going to teach me. Okay. Bingo, bango. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks to James for coming in the studio. And yeah, thanks for all the work you do and the communication. I can't wait to have no him doubt. back. Yeah, I can't wait to have him back for sure. Next time you're coming through Calgary, pop in. Yeah. And uh, we were on Dan Alor oh, podcast. I forgot. I wanted to say this in the intro. There's a there's a twenty percent off code, right? I put it in the show notes. Oh yeah, yeah. For the book, yeah. yeah. It's in the, the deets are in the show notes. Um, you want me to say it again? Yeah. Say what? It's uh, the promo code is T L O D Grimerica. And that's at the uh, uh, lightofdarkness dot com. Oh yeah, the light of darkness, the light of darkness. But the website's lightofdarkness dot com. Right. Truelightofdarkness.com. Truelightofdarkness.com and it's bit.ly bit.ly slash tlod ebook. Yeah. Get 20% off. Absolutely. That's the only ad we have is just to help promote our buddy's book. Our guest. Our guest. Well, that's all we're ever doing is promoting our guest. Yeah. And uh, ourselves. So head on over to grabmerica.ca slash support. Help out the show. Winter's coming. Sign up your friends for the newsletter. And help us buy a heater. Help us buy a heater. And uh, spam Graham. Send him some stories. Let's try and bury him. Review the show. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.